BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales Podcast, Chapter 213, with Daniel Chucky Sanders. Uh, Chucky's probably one of the most requested guests that I get on the podcast. Uh, we've actually been trying to make this one work for a while. Um, I think Parler last year was when we were going to do it. He was in the US, uh, but we didn't get to do it. And then Dakar broke his arm and then all the kind of complications that uh, follow after that. Um, but we finally, we've nailed him down. We spent a couple of good days with the great man himself. Um, and we had a, a bunch to talk about. He's crazy, crazy career. Um, and he's just a super fun energetic legend of a dude so uh, makes for a really great podcast and I, I hope you guys all really enjoy this one um, and pretty excited to watch what Chucky's got to offer over the next few years uh, as a part of this new generation that's taken on Dakar. We are brought to you today by a couple of very important sponsors so please just sit back enjoy um, these ads from a bunch of really great companies that keep the lights on, keep the Groms employed, um, and just, you know, keep this Gypsy Tales world turning. Uh, the first one is by the guys at Manscaped, and it's a beautiful fall right now, and our friends at Manscaped want to make sure it's beautiful when your pants fall as well. Don't let the trees be the only thing dropping their excess leaves and give your trunk the look it deserves with the leaders in male grooming and their fourth generation performance package. Boys, get your baby makers ready for a cuffing season like no other and join the 4 million plus men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code GYPSYGANG. We've all experienced those problems um, when you're trying to shave these nuts. You get the little clip a little bit wrong um, and you end up leaking a bunch of blood. Uh, so let's let's not... That was graphic, I get it, but let's just avoid that now. There's an easy way um, to avoid that. Once again, you can just get the Manscaped 4th Generation Trimmer. Uh, this features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It also gives you the ability to turn on the LED spotlight um, and off when you need more precise shave. Plus, it's waterproof as well. That's right, rain shine, rain or shine, the Lawnmower 4.0 works to keep your apples crispy. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. Make sure you have the best package for your package and choose Manscaped. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. 
We are also brought to you by the legends at Crush Oz. Uh, and they have just introduced a new Lush Wet Lube. Uh, Crush's Wet Lube is a unique blend of essential friction-reducing oils, providing your drivetrain with the lush goodness it needs to survive the longest grinds and gnarliest weather conditions, penetrating deeper into your chain links with anti-corrosive load-carrying and anti-wear properties. Crush Lush Wet Lube will deliver super slick shifting, maximum component protection, and significant uh, and a significant reduction in drivetrain noise. Our unique biodegradable Lush formula is the perfect way to protect your precious drivetrain components and be kind to the planet that we ride on. Uh, the guys at Crush are an incredible con- uh, company that is based here in Australia. Um, just head to crushoz.com um, for more information, but these guys have been amazing partners of ours um, for a really long time. Their products are absolutely fantastic. I use them on literally everything. Mountain bike, uh, the roadie, the car, the bikes, the whole deal. Um, and I'm super set up with their products as well. I've got the bike care bucket and I've also got their 20, um, their 20 liter drum of bike wash. So it's just, when you really invest in this line of products, it just takes one thing just completely out of your mind, uh, when it comes to looking after your bike. So crush Oz again, guys, um, one of our amazing sponsors. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at MX store. You can head to mxstore.com.au. Um, They have Australia's largest parts and accessories range online. Uh, And if you order before 2 p.m., you get same-day shipping. These guys have been valuable partners of ours for years now. Um, And they just kill it. They are the best at what they do. Uh, Just gives you the best service um, that you can get, really. Um, We're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Oz. You can head to boost.com.au. Do away with those contracts that just tie you down. Um, you can pretty much do everything at Boost. You can buy one of their refurb phones. Uh, you can use their 240 gig data plan, which basically I just do one of them a year. Um, and the whole phone thing is just kind of something I don't have to think about. And they're on the full uh, 4G network with Telstra. So boost.com.au. Uh, finally, we're brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear. You can head to fisthandwear.com. Uh, they do shipping all over the world. Um, so wherever you are listening to this in the world, um, you can get yourself a pair of the best gloves in the world. They've just dropped chapter 18. They're dope. You might have seen our vlog featuring Casey Stoner. Um, that uh, that was featured, or I guess sponsored by chapter 18. Uh, and also the guys at Rival Inc. You can head to rivalincdesignco.com. Uh, these guys truly are leaders in the game when it comes to anything uh, anything aesthetic is, I guess, the way that I would put it when it comes to your dirt bike. Um, the best graphics in the game, technologically speaking as well. These guys really push the envelope. Uh, their service is insane. The design team is insane. Jersey prints, the whole deal. Rivalinkdesignco.com is your one-stop shop. Thank you very much uh, to all our amazing sponsors. Thank you to all of our amazing listeners and viewers. Um yeah, we got a great couple of weeks coming up a podcast. So this is just the first of many. Appreciate you. Enjoy this episode with Chucky Daniel Sanders. From the gang Daniel Chucky Sanders on Gypsy Tales. Very heavily requested guest. We've been wanting to do this one for a while. I'm stoked we did it in studio because we we're probably going to do this 
at Parlour last mm. year, we were sort of like trying to line it up, but in the end, works out for the better. You're on the Goldie, so making it happen. Yeah, mate. Finally, it's been a, been a few uh, few months on in the making, so yeah, happy to be here and uh, yeah, finally, I've been a long time listener from the start, so it's uh, cool to finally get on an episode. But I probably won't listen to myself talk on it, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't listen to them back, no. so I don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Today we posted the jet thing, talking. I think you reposted yeah, yeah. the clip. Do you care to weigh in on the uh, on the JS seven versus uh, Jetson thing? Where, where are you at with it? Because <laughs> oh, you spent some time. Yeah. Like you've actually seen some shit. Yeah, I had, I had a fair bit of banter already on Instagram from that. So it was. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I really? Had, what was? I the, had a few uh, few mates. What was the feedback? Am I a dickhead? Ah, uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. They're like, um, I just like where they're like two different obviously two complete different characters and then obviously it's hard it's same as like you know Carmichael as well there's already when you've got a name already there and you've got someone new coming in it's completely you know different they have to be different but you already had Stu who set the bar for the raw speed and the talent he had and for someone for the newcomer to come up and to show that it's like you're already going to get compared to him yeah there's not ever going to be another person who's another step above that because that was already next level yeah. by like 10 steps so yeah yeah i don't know like jet definitely his style and every how he makes everything look it's it's pretty special even witnessing it last year when i was you know there riding with him it was like yeah mental so it's cool to cool to watch you know all the different styles over the years and and um seeing him effort effortlessly ride that bike it's pretty cool and i'm sure he can go another step but he doesn't need to well like that's that's kind of the i think that's kind of like one of the points i was making the the funny thing too so that was from september of last year so that was kind of like before the new bike and stuff so i mean yeah this year obviously that that bike was pretty good like you got a bunch of hole shots and stuff like that but it's like you never even seen him like really have to push it like he kind of made one fuck up this year at that first triple crown yeah after that that's it he's either one or he pretty much cruised on the weekend because he was going to win the championship. But it's like, that's, I think, the point I was sort of making is like, we're seeing a dude that's this good hmm. and he's not even having to do the crazy shit like James nah. did. Could you imagine if Jet was allowed to just like <laughs> go out and throw down the way that he possibly could, you know? Yeah, if he wasn't being a pussy and actually had a crack, then yeah, it would be something to talk about. That's but what I'm saying. I don't know, son. <laughs> I know, I keep sending him a message to stop being a little pussycat and have a send, but he's, you know, he's he's a bit smarter now, so it's it's good to, to see him do it. But yeah, same thing. You actually watched him first round. You're like, dude, he's just not even trying. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, he is. He's just that little one step up above everyone at the moment. And... Um, yeah, like the last race for the championship for him to win when he got back on the back of Faulkner. It was just like, he just literally played with his ass and just was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to back off. Like, I don't care. Like, the championship's mine. So, um, but, and then you see Faulkner who, who won the race and he's happy about it. Like, it's sick to see him come back. But you look back at it and you like, Jet just, you know, played with me the whole time. Like, it, I yeah. actually, like he just made you look stupid. But, and, and the thing is like <laughs> he could you, do it just like that and make it happen and you watch Faulkner and like mad respect I messaged him after the race and I was like I'm genuinely happy that he won because mm-hmm. it sucks like that crash to come together with Jet it took him out of the whole year that's a lot of money that he's lost yeah. like it's contracts there's a lot at stake you know and you sort of never want to see a guy 
get taken out in that way. Like that's just a shitty racing deal, you know? So super happy for him, but you watch the race and then you look at Faulkner and you're like, well, he could crash like at any point in time, yeah. you know, you're like, fucking looks, he yeah. looks like he's really having to send it to go that speed. And like you said, you just mm. see jet and he's sort of just cruising around and like has a crack and then goes, ah, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, no, you, you watch him pull in the time and he's just like, now nah, I'll back it off. Man. The crazy one was Atlanta when he passed, I'm trying to think who it was that he passed. Maybe it was Shimoda. One, whoever it was, you know that one of the that, ones where he crashed his the, first turn, first lap. The, yeah, oh, but he had idiot. the he went into the whoop section. So whoever he passed, I th- maybe it was Shimoda, fully in the whoops, like rear tire all the way in the whoops. Jet not even in the whoops. By the end of the whoop section, oh mate, still in the whoops. Mm. Jet completely out of the yeah. whoops. You're just like, what the fuck, mm. dude? Like, how do you do that? And I think too, if he didn't crash when with Faulkner. Remember how loose he was through the whoops? Like, how did he save that? Like, if he saves that, makes that pass without crashing, mm. everyone says that's a James Stewart save. Yeah. But one turn later, he fucking crashes and mm. everyone thinks he's the biggest dickhead yeah. in the world. Nah, he's all right. He's just a kid growing up, trying to make it in the big world. <laughs> uh, just have, have, just a, another little Aussie having a crack. Yeah, eh? he is. Definitely a few of them having a crack these days. It's it's good to see. Did you, did you see anything like being over there you stayed there for a bit and you were training at 83 like was there any moments where you were just like what the fuck when, when it comes to like his riding ah oh, i like they were sort of away testing that new bike the first week when i was there and then um they come back and then yeah like just watching their riding styles completely different to um it was their web bogle um a couple of the junior kids riding around um and uh yeah savachi was there riding as well yeah. so yeah everyone had different styles so you're sort of looking at everyone and seeing it was cool to see how everyone trained in that differently and um yeah it was it was wicked but yeah nothing nothing crazy like wasn't they they're just there just punching their laps laps out end of the season you know um jet was you know in the championship hunt and um because it was still, was still outdoors then right? yeah, yeah 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 it was uh july august september yeah I was there, did the old big three months there. So, it was, yeah, it's pretty cool to uh, to hang out there. And, yeah, luckily enough, got to ride at the 83 with all those guys. It was it was definitely an experience and loved every second of it being there. How, so, so how did that whole experience come about? Just um, I was meant to do the first two rounds of the World Rally Championship over in uh, – was the first one was Kazakhstan and then uh, Silkway Rally. And then – yeah. Um, then we'll test this new bike and then they pulled a test in august and for me to go home after silkway was mm, like two weeks in the in in the slammer and the quarantine and then it was like a week and a half <laughs> out and then and then have to go back to america so i was like there's not even it's not worth it so for the amount of money it was going to cost for the team to send me back it was easier for them just to go all right fly fly to um america hang out there and then uh yeah and then we'd go to the test and then whatever else so i just ended up staying from then all the way until dakar this year so uh yeah it's just jh hooked me up with truman there and then yeah truman said yeah i got a spot for me down at um um yeah florida down in uh down at the 83 down in uh what's a town called dade city yeah. so <laughs> the old dade city that's good so it's, yeah it's reedy's old compound there then yeah it was really cool just to roll up there and you know had a spot and it was in the garage or in the pits with um well 
in the garage there, I guess they call it, um, with, who was in there? Savachi, Bogle, and Webb, and then my bike was just in a spare spot next to them all, and you're like, dude, you're just flying into this joint, there's just a stock as a rock gas, they're just sitting there, <laughs> and then you got some rally guy rolling in, so, yeah, I'd just come off COVID, first experience having COVID, so, it was, yeah, pretty mental, I flew straight to, straight from Silkway to Frankfurt for a night, Frankfurt to Tallahassee, and yeah. then stayed JH's. Went and did a workout with him in the morning. I thought it was a bit of jet lag. And then that was Friday. Then Saturday, watched Southwick at Ricky's with his whole family there oh. and JH. And I was just like... And then we watched a UFC fight with McGregor where his leg got oh. snapped. So that was that night. And I was I was just remember there. I was just dead on the that night. And um, yeah, I couldn't get out of bed the next Sunday. So it was Smasher. Yeah. And I had fevers that night. And then, um, yeah, just, just sent it to bed the whole the whole next sunday and then we were planning to fly up to do one of the rch schools to yeah uh, where was that redbud yeah i I got a flight to redbud and then they sorted a bike out for me to to go right up through there on a on a um enduro well enduro guys one of the teams to do gnccs lent me a bike for that weekend so that was really cool so i got to ride redbud but i tested monday and then flew Tuesday, got there that afternoon, tested positive. And oh. as soon as I saw that email come through, I lost my taste, smell. And I was like, we went out for dinner that night. Just rolled up to Redbud, like tracks prep. Like, I'm like, I get to ride one of the sickest tracks in America. And um, yeah, I was at dinner, I couldn't taste it. And then I'm like, shit, this is not good. And then, uh, yeah, I did the next day coaching, but I just isolated from everyone. I was like, yeah. I, 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 was like I just got to do, I got to ride here. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just rode around a bit and and uh, died, and then I stayed at Jeff Stanton's. Oh, uh, sick! So because he was doing the school with us. Because he's local to that. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, he's um pure Michigan boy. So uh, stayed at his joint. He had I think he had four thousand acres or something, just farming. So he's like, you can stay here at the track or come out to the farm or go in a hotel. So like, I'm coming to the farm, mate. So it was awesome because I hadn't been on tractors or anything for a few months leaving home. So sat on the farm and he had they're all vaccinated there and that and by then we didn't know you could catch it twice so yeah he was he already caught it was vaccinated and then yeah just stayed with him and his family and he, he didn't know me until two days before that but obviously That's when you were jade and ricky like he's yeah. obviously a good kid so we'll let him in and yeah i just did i think we did bale and hay for a few days and it was just cruising around there and went on the bike adventure bikes for a bit and just cycled every day got out got sun into me good food and yeah come away with it and i flew back to florida then straight down to the track because yeah i didn't want to give it to the riders down there either but then coop had it that week after that so it was just like and they didn't really care about it so Crazy. i didn't want to go down there because i was going to go there and jet and hunter all there and i was like i did not want to give them this virus so at the end of the championship yeah and they're all sort of sitting there so yeah it was mega start to the old american tour how was uh riding red butt yeah pretty cool i didn't know it was so sandy like it's yeah because they run paddles for the race yeah it's yeah. it's mental how how like actual the sand it is like it doesn't look like sand cause no. you're looking at it, it looks like oh it's hard packed tacky track but it's really fine soil and um yeah that um there's a little rocco's that's uh yeah that's definitely a send so because they only had did the national no because nah, oh i hit only halfway up because they did the national there and they pulled the corner in and half the 450 dudes weren't even doing yeah. it. Like that's, I think, rocks and cased out the top of it or something yeah. and they went over the bars. And, yeah, just jumped up to there and I was like, I'm not sure about going the top all the way and bet it wasn't full prepped. 
um, for the for the um, for the ride day, but because um, I had a heap of rain that week. But yeah, just to see that landing as well, it's not a one you want to case because it's pretty steep going down the backside of it. So it's cool to see them have that size of a jump in an outdoor track. Like there's no way they'd let that pass in the no. MA Motorcycling Australia sort of rules. Someone would protest it straight away. So it's too dangerous. Yeah. But like seeing that thing there, but it's like you got the option. You can either go the full send or, you know, just back it off a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was really cool to see the size of the jumps and how much dirt they actually have on the track. It's, yeah. It was cool to actually see that. Yeah. It's a, a crazy, just the, the facility and like Bud's Creek is another one mm. that's just got like these massive yeah. jumps and the whole facility is just like so spread out. And then it's, you know, you've got all like the, the trees and the grass everywhere. It's just like, it's a proper facility. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know, everywhere, no, not everywhere, but so many places in Oz feel like an afterthought, you know, but actually shout out to Gum Valley. Did you see any footage from Gum Valley? Like the pro motocross? Yeah. They look wicked. Have you been there before? No, I haven't. They oh. did a four-day there, I think 2004. Oh, no, it must have been earlier because I wasn't even 18 to do it. I reckon it's 2011 or 10 they did one there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I remember watching those final motos because Matty Phillips was there. I think yeah. he won the outright on that on that final moto day. And, um, yeah, watching it looks sick. Unfortunately, there was some gnarly crashes there, like Cloudy went out and snapped yeah, Tim and Fib. That, that was massive. massive. Yeah. Did, have you seen it? Go on the, just find it on YouTube, like the Pro MX deal. You can see him. Yeah, he's sitting down. On that, yeah, he was on the inside up. line, sitting down. and. Well, so Ferris, I actually it. watched the moto. Uh, nah, just type in um, just the, oh, okay, there it is. Uh, is it that one? Nah, don't watch the live one. There's another. But it'll be in there, it's like a couple laps in. Yeah, there you go. Go down, go down, that one there, yeah. You see um, Ferris almost. Do you see like the first lap, lap how Ferris had the whole yeah. shot? Ferris pretty much does the same thing. And um, go back, Rones, it'll be before this. No, no, one, yeah, it's about. So just go to see. It'd um, be 22. No, I don't even recognize that many laps in. Go back another f- yeah. five minutes. This is the first time. This is like a really great sign for the Australian motocross while we're on the topic because i've googled or i went on to youtube specifically to watch this race yeah that's the first time i've done that for an australian motocross race in so long and yeah, it felt back, so back good another five there we go yeah go back yeah they, it was crazy they went straight to the medical flag too not even yeah yellow. dude i was like what i wonder where we're gonna see this here so shout out to everyone involved in putting this together that yeah. this track was insane uh oh so that was some random like privateer guy that was the first that was a gnarly section too yeah that if you crash there you're macking that's like fourth gear on 450 i reckon we're still back yeah here it is no no here it is replay yeah see sitting down and then what and look at him bang all the way up up there dude tanty nearly cleaned him up too that is a massive mat go back like watch it again rones that is massive, dude. Imagine the force going through him up there. Oh, like just, and I to, don't know how many times he rolled, like, not the camera angle, but it would have been a couple. And to get <laughs> to get that far up that yeah, upper it's steep too. Like, you're like, ragdolling up See, old mate's looking at him. He's just like, no, nah, I'm going straight <laughs> for the cross. So, yeah, that's, a, that's a bummer for Cloudy. But, well, and Webster and went out. And then Webster during, went out as well. It's just 
gone from like the two favourites for the championship out in a couple of days. I was insane. joking with Todd. I was like, oh, well, now it's the the 30 plus class. All, <laughs> all we've got is all we've got is Tanny that's in there that's yeah. not 30. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, yeah shout he, out. Gives you Metcalf orders. Yeah. Yeah, until you get down to Rikers. Ferris, it's all, yeah. yeah, it's all, uh, all, all the over the 30s. But yeah, I mean, shout out to the club for doing an amazing job. Like, this is what... Yeah. I mean, it'd be how good would it be if all the races were like this? But also the television coverage, the fact that it's on YouTube. Um, so yeah. if anyone wants to check out some sick Australian motocross, then go and search this. But yeah, dude, watch this thing step out, dude. It's fine until it's just and, so not good. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm running paddles there as well, so it it wasn't rip, didn't look ripped deep at all. So it had a lot of hard base to it, and a lot of like you can see on the first lap how dudes going from suspension setups from soft one faggy sand and they're like oh we'll go to yeah. here it's gonna be sandy it's sandy but it's got a hard base and and it's watching so their fast. watching their forks and shocks move around coming into this little small chop they've got there it's like enduro setting it's insane it's just bouncing everywhere like you can clearly see ferris change his setup from moto one to two yeah and then comes out you know swinging the next one but like that like, section there, like oh, we used yeah. to race this. It was so scary, dude. That's like mm. that feels so fast, yeah, a, yeah. you know, for a normal motocross guy. But I'd say, for me, this like Gum Valley and Manjimup are like hands down the two yeah, best tracks. In this Australia. did look sick. Have, so have you ridden Manjimup ever? Nah, oh, nah. This, I haven't done many moto tracks. This year could have been the year too. I don't know if I was ready for it. We can always bump it on to next year. Yeah, we'll do. It, I reckon next. <laughs> year. If I'm allowed, because you <laughs> fucking rip it, moto. <laughs> Because I guess that's all you can do, really. Like, you know, a lot of times, it's not like you can train for Dakar that much. No, unless you go in the desert. I still haven't even... I ride Mildura a fair bit and a couple sand tracks, but I don't really go into the desert. And, like, I haven't even, I've been to Fink once for high speed. Like, that was in 2016. That on was the desert bike? No, nah, that general? was just on... Just watching... When I was with KDM and just watching the boys when it was a Tobes tie and... Well, she went one, two, three that yeah, year. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Last time that was the only time I've been up there is once. Have Done you the, raced Vink? No. What? I've tried to do it the last three years. You've never raced Vink? No. No. That is it's, fucking crazy. It's pissed me off a lot. <laughs> I was literally anyway. my list of topics was going to ask you about Vink yeah. and like, what do I do? Because fucking, I'm doing it in a month and I don't best, know what to the do. The best advice would be to go see the red-headed Ben Grabham. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the see if you can squeeze it yeah if you can squeeze him with him for a day he'll save you a lot of energy and a lot of a lot of uh effort for sure so all right so this is probably going to be a bit later in the conversation but let's just go there now so mm. that how do you get to be doing dakar when there's no like desert go fast experience like what was the because i in my head i just thought i just assumed that you were doing fink and then because it's sort of it's a bit of a crazy progression like you you see what what toby did like he was so dominant at fink and then he went and was dominant at dakar and i think it, it sort of seemed like people just put two and two together mm. like oh that's like a great race for talent for the dakar but you just circumvented all of that yeah it's, <laughs> it was weird um because i only did had a desert race and a couple other local north victorian desert races i've done and I like I live on hard packed clay, like the slipperiest stuff in the world. And that's where everyone's like, Hey, you good at sand? I was like, I got no idea. Like it's just <laughs> practice for Hatter and then and even the high speed stuff, I don't do any of it really. And it literally was because of COVID that 
I got the gig, the ride, because everyone stopped here in Australia, and I was like, oh, well, I just did the six-day in Portugal and won that overall. Um, so that opened up a few eyes in around the world so I could sort of get a ride anywhere I wanted to. Um, so I was trying to sort out something in America with GNCC because everyone stopped in Australia that year because I knew Caleb Russell was going to finish up in America. So I knew there was going to be a spot available in America and they were keen to get me. And then also then I messaged Pella Renee, who's who was the Husky team manager because I was running Husky at the time. And I knew he was, you know, previous Enduro World Champion. So I used to watch him a lot and he follows the six day and all that so i literally just messaged him on instagram and um <laughs> yeah i just said hey you got any testing coming on overseas wouldn't mind trying the rally bike or you know this and that and he's just like oh you're interested in rally he's like well yeah i'm not doing anything in australia let's go. i just want to get out and do something like i want to work and uh yeah next thing i know i got a phone call from austria saying from robert jonas rang me up and um yeah he's like you're interested in rally because at that stage i was already sort of on an email trying to figure out to which side like america wanted me then they're like well the rally side needs someone young coming up there's no one sort of there and like everyone's getting older in that so they sort of wanted to train someone new to go into that into that um discipline so i don't know i, I definitely made the right choice going to rally because i do really like it and um but yeah that's literally they showed i think they went off an Instagram clip of me riding in the sand and that's what got me the gig <laughs> pretty much it's weird like uh yeah because obviously the six day was a bit of sand there and like I was being some really good riders from Europe there um and then the American guys were there as well so I had the best of the world there and I was putting like 10 seconds of tests on the guys there on the first day and they're just like how and they were watching videos of me at night trying to figure out how I was riding so fast and I'm like it's just an enduro setting from Australia, boys. It's it's, <laughs> it's just how we race over here. It's just it's it's different, and we we built the enduro side up so big here in Australia with the comp like the competition, like it was so high. Yeah, and it was the best, the fastest series in the world. Like we had the fastest dudes here because then we go to the six day, and all the Aussie team were, were all in the top ten. Yeah, so it was really cool to see we built that up to that that level, and then yeah, it went over and dominated it's crazy because the i guess the enduro scene is always just global i mean maybe not in europe it's like they're pretty big on it in europe but the enduro scene has always been so overshadowed by motocross and supercross but i feel like it's finally starting to to break through and obviously billy bolt is Mm -hmm. you know doing his thing and you're right man you look at yourself milner Tobes, and then you've got you know like the older generation of like Grabo and all of those guys yeah. like Greeny and and then Ballard before that. So it's like there's such a like Wonka. There's such a massive group of like Australian off-road dudes that have been at the top of the game for so many years, like generations yeah, now. Yeah. But it's never really got the that same sort of shine, you know. No, and and that's the thing. All those fast dudes that come out got out really early, like. He was the first, probably Watsy. He was the first guy to win a six-day outright, and then first to win the and a world championship, the Merriman as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's those two dudes, and then Watsy obviously went over to America and just dominated because the money was there was just ridiculous that time of um that time of the uh, the world. So um yeah, looking at those guys, and it was always something. Matty Phillips went over and dominated, yep. and like we had just yeah, just we had Toby, Matty Phillips, Milner. Well, I was still I was a lot younger than those guys and I was just coming through and then 
of strangy yeah you yeah. think about all those dudes that were like there racing and then like i used to look at the top 10 in australia like those names and like where they are sort of spread out and what they've done yeah. now it's mental they've all like we're all just spread out on the globe so it's um it's pretty cool to see well, i think i think too like that spread out that probably describes it in a way too you know that you, it's not like there's a hub like there's california or florida and like everyone's there and you race in the one series it's like the enduro scene actually has so many disciplines mm-hmm. and you know you can do so many different things but it kind of does spread out everybody so it sort of isn't as obvious that we literally dominate the world when it comes yeah. to the enduro side of things well and the stuff we do here in australia it's not just one discipline of enduro like it the mm. european dudes just do enduro so you got your long lap and then you do your sprints you know each each day you do nine tests for the day but you still do a big loop and then like here in australia we do sprints enduro cross country mm. so we do all three and it's a massive range and then we do our desert races as well so a hatter a fink then we still do a four day and then any other local desert races so we got a good mixture and that's probably why when we go to a six day we our team so strong because we do a bit of everything and then those tracks sort of suit our style compared to you know the european dudes do their more technical stuff in mm. their enduro then they go to the six day tracks a bit faster more grass tracky and then we'll go there and go better and then the americans are more used to their three hour cross countries in their gncc style and then they don't have the intensity from their sprint training because mm. we do the cross country on the saturday then we do our sprints on the sunday so it's a double whammy and um that's sort of why you have to be good at yeah sort of everything yeah and and you can see like todd waters is doing the motocross and the enduro yeah. stuff he's one of the best riders in australia and every time he comes home from one of those events he's like <laughs> jesus those dudes are gnarly <laughs> yeah yeah it was, it was he's really a gnarly cool. guy yeah yeah oh i know i've been watching him for years and years and yeah race with him as well so yeah unfortunately we didn't get to do too much when he did the first three rounds and then covid canned like our rest of that season so it was cool because um yeah he got to put himself up against myself and milner who were at the top of the game mm. and um and then compare like these guys are the fastest in the world so he could go come in and mm. race any australian could come in and race against us to compare mm. against us so it was uh pretty cool to have that yeah so it's, it's like you know by racing you guys where you stand yeah. on a world stage like this is how far i'm off yeah. the fastest times in the world essentially yeah. yeah and that's how i was always brought up racing dad only took me to the races like i never did national races until i was 18 17 18 whenever there was one in victoria i never did a state series until i was like 14 or something i just did club days until i was good enough to to work my way up there was no point spending bulk money traveling just for a, a championship at 13 14 15 mm. you, just, you had to do your schoolwork because <laughs> that got me far so what's the <laughs> what's the uh what was your roadmap into riding uh like your dad was sort of into it and, and kind of got you into it and then you know were you ever did you ever want to ride you know motocross and supercross or where did the enduro stuff come from um yeah started i wanted like dad road raced like all enduros in four days they didn't really have an australian off-road championship back in the day um it was so in the 80s he just did the four day every year and then won a couple um yeah championships in that like won a couple of them 
and um yeah so yeah the trophies at home and always talked about four day enduro then we'd watch like literally watsy or bomber or a few other dudes like um locally or then whatever races were on like the four day if it was close to home we'll go watch it and we'd have events at our property and i was just biting at the at the bit just to go racing and ride and get a bike i didn't get one until i was eight uh old santa got it for me so i was happy about that what and a then, ledge yeah jr80 started on that so and then um yeah i didn't start racing until like year seven so 13 i wanted to start racing straight away i was really competitive all through school and any sport i did like i was playing bas- two games of basketball yeah. some one one year i was playing three games of basketball a week and then training and then i played either footy or cricket depends on the on the season and then just literally do anything and then ride on the weekends with me mates so then when racing started it was like all right you can't do footy or cricket because it's the weekends and you can't be in a team if mm. you're skipping you know weekends so yeah i gave up footy and cricket there for a bit well forever well, for cricket anyway i gave it up there and then uh yeah started racing yeah just literally club days so i'd do seven eight races a year maybe one state round that was erica which was close or we'd have a, a junior race at our property yeah and then if i got on the podium at that it was like wicked like you get a take a trophy back from the state round and you go oh yeah you know i'm on the top three in victoria and you're like yeah. that's sick yeah. and then um you know that was a big thing and then um it was probably like my big step was like probably when i was 15 i was when i went to the one two fives so i jumped off 85s like never had a new bike so it's a second hand his dad was just scrapping off trading posts just ripping blokes off so it's pretty funny <laughs> we'd literally be on a holiday and dad's like oh there's a cheap bike just down the road on trading face we'll go have a look at it <laughs> you'd go down i'd literally ride around it and then you'd be like oh what can you, you just riff him down it's what's like, he yeah, asking yeah 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 <laughs> like i think you got my first like two what do you mean my first 85 i reckon it's like two two that's how much he paid for it like imagine trying to get t- like two grand now for a bike what no, it'd look like no not possible either. and then and then he sold that for more than what he paid for it <laughs> he just go there's like oh it's really rattly like oh it's probably ch- you know it's it's gonna need a piss and it's probably gonna blow up and it was literally just the the exhaust spring rattling on the exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> so the dude just fell for it so classic tight ass apple farmer so he's pulling that and then yeah when i was probably 15 jumping the 125 and then i don't know just the bigger bike and bigger wheels and that and you just i followed dad like when i was training and he just teach me through it be smooth and and then um yeah just ended up winning one of the races the third round of the vix was at our joint and like we had alex stevenson at the time who was just did the start of the australian off-road championships in the junior like last year in junior or second last year in juniors and he was like winning outright mm. and like smoking it like top 10 in in australia and some tests and he was like 14 or 15 and then i just beat him at like my own property but i was like had no reference of who he was mm. or what he'd done and then people went up to dad and it's like he's just beating this kid who's like insane yeah. yeah and it's just like yeah right he goes you should take him to the next race and then literally went to there then i was just second to him every race for the rest of the year felt like he was just next level like just rode a yz125 and then i was on so what was that 2013 oh no 2007 oh no no 2010 or 9 and i was on my brother's old race bike which is an 06 american graffiti 125 kdm <laughs> so i was just riffing that around and um yeah raced that all year and then went and did started doing the states the next year the full championship same thing second to him all year and then yeah went uh senior in 11 
on a 350 and then just only did the VIX again and like got fifth in the VIX because we had we had Milner, um, Maddie Phillips, Mitch Harper, um, Alex Stevenson again, mm. the, the, the kid that went up and then, um, yeah, then I was fifth. So the, all those dudes raced the Aussies and were all in the top 10 sort of thing. So it was like, our state series was massive. So dad's like, yeah, why take you to an Australian round? Why drive to Queensland from Victoria to, if you're not even beating the dudes here in local yeah, competition. Yeah. So it's like, just keep training, keep burning fuel. And like, I was never the most talented kid on the bike. I just, I was just a bulldog and just went for it. Like every day of the week, I'd get off the school bus at 3.30, walk up to the Apple shed, jump on the bike, go ride, wash it, put it away, go to home go to basketball come back homework bed go again sometimes it was homework <laughs> yeah and um yeah it was just just did that and just got trying to get better and better and then um 2012 i think last year in school like year 12 and then i did the first round of vix which was the i think it was aussies as well or second fourth round of aussies or something and that was down at one thaggy and then I like got in the top ten of of the um, of the results, and then all the guys in the top ten had like rides here, mm. like and getting paid bonuses, and um, yeah, I was just on race plan through Bolton's and KDM, so <clears throat> was really good just to to get that, and that was sort of your future. Like I think I got seventh and a couple of good tests there, and I was like, all right, I'm fast enough to get a job because mm. these guys all pretty much did it professionally, and I was like at school at the start of that year, and I was like, all right, I know what I'm doing next year. I'm going to be a moto enduro rider like I can do it now. It's in the head. So, um, And then all of my careers meetings at, at high school, it's just like, what are you going to do? You know, when you leave school, it's like, enduro rider. They're like, yeah, all right, sure, that's a thing. And I'm like, yeah, it is. These guys get paid, da-da-da. And they're like, then they ended up ringing up mum and they're like, is this, is he serious? Is he actually going to like do it? And he's, What's his backup plan? I'm like, oh, we've got the family apple farm so I can just work there. Otherwise, I'll just go off and go to the mines and make money because it was a thing to do as a kid <laughs> yeah, like, make yeah. money and then ride bikes whenever you want so I was like oh well worth a crack so then yeah I sort of did all that all year and then missed out on a ride at the end of that year didn't I was close to getting one but didn't and then didn't really get any more support through this shop or KDM couldn't give me anything for the next year and I'd buy my bikes and that because dad's like you're 18 now you're off on your own like you got to buy a car, pay for your stuff. You know, you're not on mum's tit anymore, so you got to go. I was like, ah, righto. And then... Were you working on the Apple farm to make money or...? At, yeah, when I finished school, like, literally when I finished school and then I was working to pay for me stuff for the four-day and then literally it was working, then I'd go do my exams at school because I wasn't planning on uni, but mum and dad, like, you got to do your exams. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whatever. So I was literally working, go 15 minutes down the high school, go do my exam, didn't even study for it or anything, but... I just I just knew what I wanted to do and wasn't going to uni. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, it was uh yeah, good good learning curve I guess and um yeah, it's just cool because I know my story is different to everyone else's. Everyone yeah. just thinks you're a moto kid, you got everything brand new. It's like, nah, you wanted to see some of the gear we ran. I didn't even run I didn't even run like I'd ran two, three to five different brands at once. I'd run an O'Neill helmet, Scott goggles no feared gloves or some yeah. gloves and then i'd be on a fox shirt and then thor pants and then alpine star boots yeah. like that's what i was running at a national event with bulk just stickers on my helmet like just whatever hiding all the all the scratches and cracks <laughs> in the helmet and it was dad's helmet 
and I was wearing dad's boots still because all mine are just down to the metal. Like, it was insane. Someone's, and I still got all that gear in the shed at home. It's pretty cool. Um, what do you think about it, like, when you're a kid? When you, uh, like, you obviously know that you don't have all the same shit as everyone else. Like, how, what was the framing of it in your mind? <laughs> Everyone's got six sticker kits and I had to make mine out of contact <laughs> and print off and then trace it on to the white contact and we had to get the black contact from what was it the news agency the yeah. black contact and the white contact then have to trace out our stickers and put it on our bike the day before the first club day of the year or the state round we were making our stickers that's so <laughs> sick did you appreciate the fact like because i mean it sort of can fuck kids up in a way when you don't have the same yeah. shit as everyone else like it can be a thing that is like kind of like a negative makes you not want to do it in a way but then on the flip side it can actually be something that can fully motivate you to like go and beat the kids that do yeah. have all that stuff it wasn't even that like i don't know i didn't look at any like i like to look at everyone's bikes they were sick stickers sick pipes and um you know new tires all the time or whatever flash looking bikes and i'd just be on the I'd lucky to get a new tire for the race or whatever and get a couple. But then um, even for like a quick few at a race, dad just always used the jerry in a funnel. Yeah. And I'm like, dad, I'm losing like two minutes in the pits. He goes, <laughs> yeah, but he's beating you by four minutes. So until you get that gap close <laughs> enough, then I'll get an, a quick dump for you. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like <laughs> it's just annoying because then you don't know what, if you put some pressure on, you don't know what's going to happen. But then, yeah, then he sort of maybe started taking a little bit more serious. But I was always a real competitive kid, so... Um, but yeah, looking back, it was, I don't know. You just, it's, it's cool to know where you come from and, yeah. and that side of things yeah. coming up. Like obviously growing up on the farm, it was always just wear it down until it's broke yeah. and then go get a new bit. So it's like farmer mentality. Yeah. 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 Literally get your money's worth out of everything. Yeah. Oh, you got a pinch in the tube, patch it up six, yeah. six patches on the tube until the valve rips. Then you get a new one. Yeah. All right. So you get it flat, then riff it out. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, but hey, that's 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 like an yeah. old school farmer's mentality. Like, yeah. you know, you're not making that much money. It's like it's everything cuts into your profits. Yeah, so that was it. Was um, definitely a good good growing up, and I'm sure he likes it because he saved a lot of money doing it. Didn't have to buy me five bikes for the year. It was only one at the start, and get a new one before the next race season. So, um, yeah, until. Yeah, so I ended up in that 2013 anyway, I ended up getting a deal with Kawasaki and I got two free bikes. So when I was 18, I didn't have to pay for bikes and had all parts for that year. And then, so I ran that, but then struggled a lot because it was a 250 four-stroke and I'd come off a 300, so yeah, two-stroke. So it was a big change from KDM to that. And then, yeah, I just struggled a lot. And that year I was, yeah, 18 to 19 and working at the farm paying for everything. So first round was Queensland broke my collarbone at the start of the year it was like seven weeks until round one so i had one week on the new bike rode it went to round one and then just struggled all year and just had a heap of dramas and really like you're in that age of 18 19 where it's like you can go clubbing with your mates you, yeah. know, you don't have your parents wondering where you are you can go do whatever did you move off the farm no yeah, no so i didn't have, i couldn't afford that yeah yeah so you <laughs> no I was, I, I was working there so i was like it's easy just wake up at home down 1k down to the farm yeah work right after work and um yeah and then travel had, had to pay for it somehow because i knew i still wanted to go racing so i was like there's no point going do an apprenticeship yeah earn what was it 300 bucks a week 400 bucks first year out if that and then to go pay for racing yeah you just can't do it no nah, not happening and you know your bank account was sitting like you had a high ace high ace van you'd like 
still paying your parents the last couple grand for because I had to borrow, save up, you know, for that. And I was like, I had to pay that off and then then pay for my fuel and then accommodation if we had to stay somewhere or and that. And like, I was, I was, I broke down a few times that year. I was just like, and I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't pay for the Queensland trips to go up. I had to pay for my entries. Everything, all that was covered by me. And, um, even for racing as a kid, it was always covered. We had to save up in school holidays to pay for our entry fees, MA license, all that. Transponders, we had to buy one. Even even parts and tires, I'm we did until we got parts budget, or, you know, some bits and pieces. But pretty much had to pay for everything. Dad wasn't Dad wasn't like here you go, here's five grand for the year. It was just like he was there for the support, and that was it. Like yeah. if you want it you'll go get it well that that's kind of the thing right is that it sort of does show that if you want it bad enough like you will yeah. figure out a way to get it and i think it's cool because you know you could see if you just follow you on instagram now it's like you get to travel all over the world you get to ride all these different kind of bikes and you mm. live in the the moto kid dream sponsored yeah. by fox and red bull and yeah. it's like it'd be so easy for a kid to look at that and just see the perfect vision of like what a life of a dirt bike rider could be but it's like no this come this started from a pretty crazy struggle and if you're a kid that's listening to this and you don't have a bike yet and you love riding and you you know you're obsessed with it there actually is a way to make it happen for yourself yeah 100 percent. you just gotta want it like and i see it so much now with kids coming up like they've got the talent and then they get there like I'm gonna throw Fraser under the bus here because he's he's the Higler. biggest waste of talent there is in the in the field. Like I love the kid, but I try to help him so much through um through when he was in the Husky team. Like he's he was the next kid to, to go through and, and like dominate. And I love the kid, but like we have so much fun on that. But I was like I've tried him so many times to just to make the next step and to do it. But he come out of school and he's a super smart kid, and then he wanted to do um was he mechanically engineering and he was super smart and he was at study and doing that and i'm like dude you can make a proper living out of racing dirt bikes and you can do uni if it doesn't work yeah. you've got five years to pull your finger out yeah work hard make it happen or you know go do uni or whatever and um he was just like he had all the talent there and he had he was on the team he had all the support mechanic parts everything he didn't have to pay for anything getting some money out of it and the bonuses and it was right in front of him and he just didn't want to go that next step 18 want to party 19 party mm-hmm. and um yeah and now he's like i don't know what he's going to do right now he's, mm. he's still there racing but his results weren't where he was in, when he was 18 yeah he got a top three outright it was me milner then him yeah and he wasn't far off and it's just like dude you were right there yeah and um yeah and then you see a lot of other kids just coming up junior career motocross or enduro they get to the senior thing and it's just like all right now it's time to put in and that's and but the thing is those kids have been racing from when they were you know, yeah, eight really yeah. young 65 85 they've already had like a full career yeah, almost exactly and then they get to the 18 where you actually got to start working when you hit the seniors yeah and it's like and that's where i only got to the seniors and i was like i'm still trying to get to where i am I'm, i haven't made anything yet i haven't even got a championship yet yeah when i was 18 so i didn't get one until i was like I think I won my first state at 19 or 20. So it was not until then. And then it went 21, okay, second in the championship, third or fourth in the AORC, 21 or 22. Then I won it. And then I was like, all right, 22, just won the Australian championship, sick. And um, yeah, then it went to Europe from there. 
Yeah, because you you just it's very rare that you're gonna be able to get out of juniors into that stage where your parents are gonna stop sort of paying for you, and then you're gonna have everything covered. Like, there's just not that many eighteen year olds that can walk into a full blown ride like that, especially in enduro. You know, like they're yeah. kind of there is that period where it's like, hey, you you actually are gonna have to earn this. Yeah, yeah, you got to do your apprenticeship now and and make it happen. So, I don't know. You you just you just see it in a lot of I see it in a lot of people like I guess because I know what I had to do to make it happen and you can just yeah. see the drive in some kids like and now in enduro I saw those kids that are hard working from a younger age and then I see them now and I'm like yeah that's why you're there now yeah. because you're putting in you did everything right and you want it and you put the work in every day during the week and like they they weren't the top dudes even in juniors mm. and then you see them coming through now and you're like yeah it's 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 cool to see the i'm reading a book at the moment called peak um and it's like by these two scientists they're uh, like peak performance scientists mm-hmm. so they basically like set up all these like crazy studies and stuff and it's it's funny they were basically they just shit on the idea of natural talent they're just like they the biggest one is like uh violin players mm-hmm. like musicians because i guess the way that they kind of explain it is that the there's so much data in musical history like you go all the way back to like beethoven and you know like you've got centuries worth of data of people playing violins and all these like different stories of child prodigies and all that sort of stuff but they were saying that basically the the great um violin players that were accepted into the the top musical schools by the time they were uh, 18 they'd practiced on average 7700 solo hours of practice that's not in a band that's not formal training that's not like uh anything that's just them practicing by themselves solo that average 7700 hours so it's like you can look at and and i mean it's sort of i would look at i was in the category of oh it's just so naturally talented Mm. you know anytime i saw you know guys that were better than me when i was a kid because we just didn't get to ride like we got got to go to a race and then we'd you know practice you'd be nervous as fuck because you haven't rode for three weeks (laughs) yeah and then you do practice and then bang you're into some gate drops and you just get smoked by these kids that are doing whips and shit and you're just like fucking barely get around (laughs) you know just throw a bum off the side of the seat that's what bum with just a wiggle yeah but you think that that's talent and i grew up my whole life under live like literally living in a lie of that guy's got talent that guy doesn't and i mean to a certain degree like you're athletic or you're not athletic but it's just the the work that people put in you don't see it yeah you just see the the end result and it's actually been super interesting reading this book and just reading Mm. all these different examples of like the amount of physical hours that people put in um to their practice and it's kind of like why and and they they can literally group like they categorize these violin players as um good better best because if even if you get into a school to play violin like you're obviously really good at playing violin then there's people that are better and then there's the people that are the best and there's just these hour discrepancies in all of the studies that they see like the best is like 7700 then it's 5000 then it's like 3500 yeah so like the groups are literally defined on how much practice that you put in and it makes sense you know like you're just out there burning fuel and Mm. you used to hear stories of chad where chad was on an 80 and he used to put a 20 liter fuel drum on his bike and he'd ride it to the track 
and then he'd just ride until the the fuel drum only had basically enough to, to ride back. home yeah and that was just like a daily thing you're mm. just like well fuck what's talent if that yeah, you know yeah. like there's that talent mm. that's the same with like Watsy because he didn't grow up too far from me and then like he was an enduro mad dog back in the day so it's yeah. just like hear stories about how he trained and he was he, he didn't give a shit about what he did like he literally same thing finished he'd say get up swim in the morning for an hour or whatever go to work come back take a jerry out same thing and just burn it run out of fuel probably push his bike around to the end of the thing fuel it up again and go again and he he'd do that he was doing that every day like he didn't have a program he was just mentally just just burn he is, he is the he would have been the nuttiest dude to to train with i wish i was in his era yeah that time just to see what he actually did and just go in a 125 and just smoke everyone and like and that's what he did to the GNCCs. He rode every KDM bike they had in that enduro range that year because everyone's like, oh, you can only can ride 125s, 200s. He rode 5G5, 450, whatever, 400, and then 300 two-stroke, 250 two-stroke, 125, 200. He rode every enduro stock. He built it the day before the race. He got it straight out of the crate, built it, held it, tapped. Jetting's good. Yep, good to go. Didn't just to touch prove it. a point. Yeah, just to show he was the best dude out there. What a savage! Yeah. What what Mental. was what was your training like when you were a kid? What was your like? You would get home from school, fuel up the bike. Like, what was the kind of riding and shit that you liked doing to train? And were you thinking the whole time about like just being like getting better, getting better? I don't know because it's, it's not like you go to a, like I never had a motocross track at home either. Like we just have grass track because Dad's like you don't need to jump. Like I was always mad trying to. He wouldn't. I wasn't even allowed to go to Krusty Demons. Really? Yeah. I was like because. I don't know, I had older cousins and that and they sort of had like a freestyle compound sort of thing up the road from us. Like that ramp. Can you imagine shit. if you fucking did Thumps. freestyle? <laughs> yeah, I was literally like, I wanted to do it. Like uh, I, we don't need that. No. No. I already freestyle <laughs> Chucky is not I do what that we need. I do that on a supercross track. Um but yeah, like I was just always and then Nitro Circus come out and it wasn't like dad just didn't like bikes getting burned and like for yeah. me to get that nutty because i was must have been a spastic kid like well yeah. i don't i don't remember much but i i don't know you as a kid you were a spastic <laughs> kid <laughs> i've never been diagnosed with adhd or anything but um definitely can't stand still so um yeah it was just i don't know i was just in into all that like freestyle and like stunts just doing wild crazy stuff it doesn't matter if it was on bmx at home well i wasn't even allowed down the skate park either like it was like you're on the apple farm doing your apple things but yeah, I was <laughs> literally just I'm doing Apple things. <laughs> yeah, just ride driving tractors and and I just take a stopwatch. I'd have like a little lap timer stopwatch, and I'd just literally electro tape, like duct tape it onto my bars. That was my stopwatch, and I'd just have a lap, um, set up in enduro and just go do like a nine minute test and time myself and try and better it every day, over summer and then get into race season and then I yeah literally either get off the school bus and walk up to the shed jumping because all our bikes were at the shed at the apple farm there and like freezing cold like there's all cool rooms just dirty workshop yeah <laughs> yeah bike stand was two apple boxes on top of each other oh, it was yeah. a green compact there and then just whatever oils that the four wheelers were using or the cherry pickers were using fuel just out of the bowser just chainsaw oil yeah. two stroke just anything like that so um yeah it was just wasn't like wasn't crazy during as a kid dad like if we went away to a mate's property or something dad would like cut in a grass track through the ferns or in trees and literally just get a stopwatch out and time us and he'd smoke us by five minutes and make himself feel good so 
I don't know, there was always someone there to chase it, whether it was my brother or my cousin riding or um, or my dad. That's sort of what my range was for um, for speed as a kid growing up. But I was probably doing that on 85. He was probably had me set in my mind like that. I can't remember, but um, yeah. And then, I don't know, I sort of just never did any motocross because he goes, no, nah, you don't need to jump. You're going to injure yourself. It's just, and then I guess he didn't want to put up with any moto dads because he's the complete opposite as a yeah, crazy moto dad. Yeah. He's just full chilled out. Like he was there like, yeah, you'd never pull out of a race or anything like that. But, um, cause you knew how much it cost for us to get there or whatever. Like, and I wanted to be there and I'm not a kid that gives up ever. I would just keep going until, you know, something breaks on the bike or fuels oh, yeah. out or that they give me the flag to say it's oh it's finished yeah or myself so um yeah it was it was just oh, give it always 100 percent well from from me anyway such a sick way to grow up eh? yeah oh i wouldn't i wouldn't change anything i the only thing i'd change is probably going to motocross earlier to just to develop that aggression and skill because i'd had nothing no aggression like i was just a smooth enduro rider yeah and um until I was probably 18, 19 and just took over the back paddock and just started, I literally, me mate snuck his machines in and one day <laughs> we just started building jumps with the escalator and then just start, you know, learning how to jump and then you could jump and then it's like, right, now you got to moto it. And yeah. it's just like, you got to be fast. So um, I literally did one under-19s race as a kid that was at Wonthaggy and then the next one I did was Broadford the, the other year when yeah, I was there and right. that was it. I, haven't, I don't even go to any moto tracks. I rode... I don't even know. I don't even go to moto parks to ride. Like it's, I literally just stay in my own little zone and ride my own tracks if I if I want to. That's a that's probably the best thing and the luckiest thing I've been able to do is we've got like 300 acres of forest and we have like enduro events there and that's why I've been able to train so much as a kid. Like mm. I wasn't lucky as in getting new bikes and all that, but I was lucky for where I grew up in the family. Like my uncles were all behind, you know, dirt bikes and racing. And we had a heap of bush and like just a tractor and greater blade. And then dad and my uncle would just build tracks. And then I'd just ride there whenever I wanted to. And my mates would come up and ride. And they're like, you're so lucky to ride there. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And then, but it's then again, it's like any kid could have that. And it's whether they do something with it or oh, not. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because my cousin, my brother all had that opportunity. And, and even other local kids who wanted to ride there, they had that opportunity as well to use, you know, that property and it's whether you want it or not what do you reckon like have you ever thought about why you wanted it and other other people didn't or like do you do you remember what inspired you initially i don't know i just i just always wanted to do a sport as a job yeah and then try and be the best at it like that's our I, I just wanted to win I I was just like, like what just wanted to do sport because yeah. I've, I've sort of felt the same like as a as a kid like I just always knew that sport was a thing that I wanted to do. Like we, we played footy and, you know, yeah. like I did all, all that shit as well. But yeah, I just, I never had aspirations of anything other than like doing something with sport. It's weird. It must've been, there must've been something going on in Australia culturally in a sense to like want to push people into that. Or maybe just I the guess fact it was that, just all the sports stars we had, like we yeah. had all the cricket players. like Warney. And, yeah, exactly. Warney, Gilly, um, Ponting, all these dudes, you'd watch them always on the weekend. Then you got the little footy guys like AFL. I was watching down there. It's like yeah, you want to yeah. be a sport dude. Like he wants to go be on the news for reporting or something like that, and calling the weather or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's just like 
I don't know. It's just you had the, your heroes with sports dudes, I guess. Yeah. And if you weren't into that, then you're obviously into something else. So I guess as kids, we always... Australia is such a big sporting country. Yeah. With everything, even Olympics. So you even look at that as well. So yeah. it's like... There probably is on. a lot of the Olympic influence on us as, as kids too. Like our general... I'm a bit older than you, but sort of still the same kind of era. But, you know, like the the sydney olympics yeah was pretty massive i reckon it's sort of it's funny when you think about maybe the events that are actually going on in your country and how that sort of shapes the you know like the generation that comes out of it but i remember that sydney olympics just being like the biggest deal eh? yeah for sure it would have been even if they had it now it'd probably be still a yeah. massive deal so it's just it's just crazy how they they just pump it up and make it like with sport in australia they just love it i guess because there's nothing really else yeah it's either COVID or sport what do you want (laughs) (laughs) yeah so true what was the what was the uh the job description on the apple farm um deer hunter at night (laughs) yeah really (laughs) yeah just shooting uh, all the deer whatever was running in in do you have heaps of them yeah they come in about like uh autumn autumn to winter they come down from the hills and they're not too many but i used to just shoot so that's how i was making money racing as well as shooting them at night cutting them up and selling them to the asians the next day at work yeah. really yeah i was getting like 300 bucks a deer so <laughs> that's I'd, have good to, I'd have to yeah as a 19 year old you're like yeah boys i got some cash for the weekend um and then yeah so i was just doing doing that whenever but then you wake up because it takes you like two hours to by the time you shoot it at nine and then yeah you you gut it, skin it, hang it up, and sell it to the agents the next day. And then where were they buying it for? Where were you doing? They literally, I just cut it all up and they put it in their van, take it home. <laughs> like a whole deer. Yeah, like and the size of a cow. Then it's not a little Bambi, like these massive <laughs> yeah, things. So big yeah, deers. yeah. So me and my mates would just go if, if it was a mate there as well because you couldn't drag it in the back of the Ute. So you had to have two mates. Just they massive. So I was doing that. But <laughs> that was, so that, was one, that was one of the cool jobs I did. Um, I love it. And then yeah, we, then we were eating it as well. Like I was cutting it up, eating good it as well. Eat, yeah, eh? I was uh, slicing them up. But if you got a stag with antlers, old mate paid an extra five hundred bucks. So they grind up for some Chinese medicine. This dude was oh, going nuts with it. They yeah, wanted the yeah. teeth, everything. Like it was insane. So I just buy the whole thing, just yeah. with no guts and yeah. No I just skin. I just quarter it up. So I just like the front legs off back legs off i'll cut the straps out and the eye fillets out for him and then just give him the ribs all <laughs> and the dudes are just driving out down the driveway just gutted on the back all loaded up with like eight people in like one of the high ace minibus things <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you get the like the contacts to do the deal well i'm working with them all day oh so they're working out the yeah and dad goes oh because like they'll eat anything like some yeah. some of the some whatever's there they'll get roadkill if, if they killed a kangaroo on the way to work They'd pull it up, cut it. I oh, know they'd chuck it in the back, pull it to work, gut it, and clean it out. And they'll take it home and eat it. Hectic. It's it's insane. And and like we've tried it during like you go to smoko the next day and like oh I try the kangaroo or something. You try it and you're like holy crap, it's actually pretty good. Smack <laughs> heap of curry in there. But um, yeah, it's insane. What it's it's cool. They don't have anything to waste. Like they use everything. My my chick lived in China for like eight years. And I got to see like the last couple of years of it. Oh my god, dude! Like, yeah, I reckon it's insane. Hectic. Like she'd just be walking down the street and be like, oh, "Look, film the market." Yeah. And you're just like, I don't know, man. You need a strong stomach for that. I was when I was in uh, I was in Costa Rica with Carmichael, mm-hmm. and uh, we were doing like a film shoot there. It was when Faulkner was on an eighty, yeah. and uh, 
we got we get off the plane and then we get in this this bus we're all fucking starving like we hadn't none of us had eaten there was no food at the airport we like landed from this flight and then we get in this van we pull up like all of us are in this van going just stop anywhere for fucking food like we've got i don't care what i eat or where we eat and we pulled up on uh this it's like a mountain range kind of thing and there was just a shack on the side of this hill Mm. and they'd built this restaurant like flat off the edge of this cliff and so yeah we just pulled up the car and uh i just started pointing at shit in this bay marie I ended up chowing down on cow's nuts. <laughs> I'm just sitting, and Ricky's just oh, sitting yeah. there like losing his shit. Up he would add a nut for sure. I don't know. I don't think he. I don't think he ate anything. I think he was, was he still racing then or not? No, nah, he wasn't racing. But I, he, he was, was on like, the donut program. No, nah, he was like, I'm not. I'm not hungry. <laughs> I'm like, no, you are hungry. I know you're hungry. Yeah. But he's like, no, I'm not hungry, dude. So I ended up eating fucking cow's nuts for for Brecky that that morning. That man. <laughs> But yeah, China, oh. next level. Yeah. No, it's just insane that. But um, otherwise, it just depended on what we're doing around that time of year. It was picking. So picking's like from Feb Feb to now in May, um, end of May, or mid-May we'll finish. And then, and then I don't know, it's just servicing all the tractors and um, poor, mowing, weed spraying, clearing anything up, pushing blocks out, planting new trees setting up all the wires and v trellis but i don't know also there was a fair bit something different every every yeah. week every month you change so yeah that's pretty it was, sick. it was cool it wasn't the same thing every day like yeah you're not going and just laying pipes as a plumber every day you're not just bricky and doing bricks every day so it was it was good and yeah outside and then you go inside do mechanical work for, work on the four wheelers the gelosipedes like the picking machines the jerry cherry picker looking things and um no it was good and you got, got to learn a lot of just basic farming stuff and working on tractors and mechanical side. So you sort of got a range of everything than working with chemicals and, yeah. And, um, fertilizers and all that, just learning all that, that that cool stuff. Yeah. No, there's no dynamite. (laughs) Did you do any diesel bombs out there? Nah. Nah. I was too too busy. You trying to burn it in a tractor, trying to make some tracks or something. Um, but But, yeah, no, we'd like, Oh, would light up some pushy jumps as kids and that was about it at night if we did a camp out down the shack did, crusty um, style yeah just have a six pack of pushy right, jumps don't. yeah yeah <laughs> just light ourselves on fire try and do that but no it's funny anytime i actually did this uh this like interview series for can am i had to like uh, call these farmers and like do these interviews for them mm-hmm. and um every single person said ah oh, it's good to get to be outside that was one yeah. of everyone they yeah. literally across the board they said you get to be outside yeah i've never really thought about it eh? but you get farmers particularly that are outside every day but it's not on a job site it's not you're actually in nature you're mm. just getting to kind of walk around in nature yeah. and it actually becomes such a massive part of the draw for people and it wasn't until i did those interviews i ever really kind of had that thought but i'm like man you kind of are at a loss if you're a person like we we don't get out like we we sit in this studio yeah eight hours a day you know six days a week and then you you got your one day where you go to qmp and then yeah yeah. and then you come back but (laughs) but being outside is actually such an underrated thing and farmers get that in a way that not many other jobs do yeah out you know break of dawn to the to the night and that's that's how i sort of work is just up up at daylight and then daylight savings is the best you walk in at nine o'clock and have dinner and then go to bed 
that winter you're in and then jump on the PS4, play a bit of Fortnite with the boys and then <laughs> go out at night. But um, no, nah, it's, it's, just, it's just a different lifestyle and I'm just lucky I've grown up on, you know, in space on a farm, yeah. out doing, you know, just all the basic stuff, which has just helped me build who I am, I guess. Yeah, fuck, that's so funny about the Asians and the deer. Yeah. <laughs> what what were they doing working on the farm? Is They're it? like, we just saw contractors coming in because yeah, you know, right. I think you had about, you'd have 20 to 30 pickers like um, going and then during the year you'd have probably, yeah, 15 on sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, they're just coming in doing all the pruning and yeah. and all the all the hand hand labor stuff like because you got so, you got like 100 acres of apples, like there's like 130,000 trees and every tree's got to be maintained chopped yeah, with secateurs so yeah secateurs so anything that's that's happening it's there's always something to do around the farm did you get any hot backpackers come through that were doing like their <laughs> their farm stay deal we did when i was like 17 oh god i don't good. even think i was i wasn't like you weren't even thinking of it nah, not on the radar nah. <laughs> I was oh, still what's wrong with all like, your young kids and then covid hit but um no i've been in relationships a bit so ah, love a bit. boy yeah was yeah back in the day <laughs> I fucking love it <laughs> but so, um no I we never really had any backpackers that's a, that's a fucking rip yeah I know I bet dad didn't say no to any too <laughs> <laughs> that's so good so then you you get the you get the contract like when's like your first real sort of contract where you're like alright bang I'm fucking mad at right now um 14 end of 14 it's crazy yeah it's not that long ago so yeah i did that i did that year on that cowie and then i said all right i'll give myself one more year to make it otherwise i'm out like i can't afford it like literally still had like max out of my account was like two grand mm. and i'd have like two grand cash from dear money <laughs> from that year <laughs> and then um yeah that was like that year and then i was like all right i 14 back on the bike i knew i was getting results because on the cowie i was like top 20 in Oz. and then the year before when i was younger i was like top 10 to top seven ish and then i was like right I, it's gotta it's make a break this next year so 14 went out first test i was like fourth outright fifth outright and i was like all right that was the best relief coming back was like after that test yeah, no. i went in and i saw the result and he's like you see where everyone's at and you're just like all right we're on this is good and i was already in new south wales don't normally race there right there and i was like right you know close and good there and yeah. it wasn't far because the guys in front of you at the time would have been was that 15 would have been like milner pricey probably carney and one other well then it was me it was fourth so was yeah like, yeah no it was pretty cool like that and then just hustled all that year and, and made it happen and then yeah got just better support and i was riding a 200 and i had like a kdm 300 xc so it was a cross-country model with a linkage yeah and then that had what was that the four cs forks in it and then i had a the old 2013 bike that i raced in 2012 four day that was a spare 300 dad just kept that so i had a Still 2012 a yeah to the exe that was 2012 i got that for the four day and then i had that 14 and then i think third or fourth round in i blew up at corner inlet in the sand yeah on the 15 and then I jumped on the PDS and I went 10 seconds faster. It's fucking good, that PDSA in the bush. Yeah, it was insane. And I was like, why? And I figured it out. It was the forks. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I had Gilesy from Choice Suspension was doing both in his suspension. Yeah, right. And I just couldn't. And these and this bike, by that stage, had 200 hours on it. That was my practice bike. 
so when I ride the race bike, I just couldn't turn and I couldn't figure it out. And then I jumped on yeah that race bike, that practice bike, and literally I had to duct tape front plate, motocross front plate, duct tape, and then we wrote number four or five on it, whatever number it was, with a white texter. That was a spare race bike. And me, me buds ended up putting their names on it, like on the back. They just wrote Maud and Kizzy on it. Like, it was funnier. <laughs> <laughs> and I raced out and then, like, finished, I think, fourth. Yeah, fourth overall what for that What was the difference weekend. in the forks? I don't know. They just brought out these four CS forks, whatever they were, um, and then the, yeah, they don't run them anymore now. They've just flushed so them just, out. They, they just, just didn't work. A good no, fork. no. And then they went back to the like the enduro forks now, and then now the yeah. Because there was a model, there was a model fork that was on those enduro bikes that was actually sick. And yeah. when they first bought out the air forks, everyone was trying to buy these old enduro yeah, close, the closed, the closed cartridge, cartridge ones. So is that the, yeah. that the one that you no? Were, they, you they were like they were even older. I think again. They're like on the old factory canyon. Yeah, yeah. People still run them. You can't buy them and shit, man. Yeah. Like people are trying to sell them on marketplace for fucking heaps of cash. Yeah, probably. But now they've got the the exact pro stuff. Like it's dynamite now. Like what you can, well, if you've got the right dude to tune them. Yeah. Old Giles, he gets them working. So, um, yeah, that's that's the big thing. Like now they've got the the shocks got so much um, play in it. You've got so many clickers and that in them and to get them right, it's really good. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, when I rode that in 14 and then I jumped on that bike, I raced that for the rest of the year, sold it, I sold it with 270 hours on it and it did three pistons on it. Same bottom end, didn't change the bottom end. That is pretty crazy. That's a nuts two stroke. (laughs) (laughs) So then, yeah, I got a new, I got the new 15 model. So I sold that and then, yeah, got a new 15 model for the rest of the year. Then Grabo, Grabo just took over the enduro team, um, for 15. So it was me, Toby and Ty Simmons. That's a sick team. That was mental. Yeah. <laughs> so I just literally got on the team. You and Ty are like the same dude, but from like different places. Yeah. yeah. He's full country. That he's, boy. The, he's the Burke well, version. I, I wasn't even like, I was still like half feeling like I'm from the city and like didn't listen to country music, nothing. And I was just full rave music, just clubbing music. We were, <laughs> we were Sparks, Joel Fletcher, like just Melbourne sound stuff going. And then That's um, so funny. I'd be playing that stuff in the room and Tobes comes in like, yeah, he's all about it. And then Ty comes in, what's this shit? get some freaking Alan Jackson on or something. Oh, yeah. And then, um, yeah, so it was, it was pretty funny. So every time I was in the truck, I was pumping on on um, some beats and then, yeah, Ty wasn't a big fan. But then in the end, by the time I spent so much time with Ty, I'm country music fanboy now. So it's, yeah, just like, right. it's crazy how much it changes you. And just, it's just that lifestyle. Now I've sort of gone more chilled out yeah. half the time and I'm still spastic some of the time. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have the, it's just good to have different genres of, uh, genres of music, I guess. Man, some of the time I spent in America with Ty was like my favorite times of my life. Like, because yeah. we, we we both we both flew over there together. Like when he did those that year in in the states yeah. for for JDR. Yeah, yeah. I flew from Brisbane Supercross with him, and then we went to Burke for a few days, and it was fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I've I've never got to witness riding with him in Burke. I heard all the stories when he was there. It's so hectic. Like it was such a. It was such an experience. Were you there for there. his 18th? Oh. I just heard some good stories from his 18th, but did I? Maybe. I can't remember. I don't think... Nah, I don't think I was. I remember we were playing... Like, I don't really drink. And we were playing King's Cup. Mm. And I remember being fucking wasted, dude. You're probably rum too out that oh, way. <laughs> well, because in that, that game, you, you pour yeah, yeah, everything into the big thing. And I, I, got, I got it. 
and I had my back to the screen door and then there was just like a backyard straight behind me and I remember drinking this fucking thing and just opening up the screen door, just staying in my seat and just projectile vomiting out. Yeah. And it was so clean, like, didn't get on yeah. any of the floor, nothing. I just closed the door and kept playing. <laughs> Game on, boys. Like, yeah, went back. It went down and come back up. Oh. But yeah, so we literally flew from there to... Then we went from, like, Burke, Sydney, Sydney, LA. And then it was... He had to wait. Oh, that's right. I got, I got called into the into the uh whatever the body check yeah basically <laughs> i spent like three hours getting interrogated so ty is waiting for me oh. <laughs> at lax you know, the fuck's going on like i don't know if he's gonna get out of here it was like three hours or something that i stayed in that um in that thing and then and then yeah we went and like moved him into an apartment and it was just like me and him just like fucking floundering how old was he then then he would have been like he would have only been like 19 maybe mm, yeah. uh, i was like 22 yeah. or 21 or something like that but yeah just young and just stupid like mm. we were just so dumb and we just like thought we were the <laughs> shit eh? like cruising around america yeah. it was and he was like riding a 350 then yeah too, he so, just come out yeah going to the test tracks and shit he's a fucking good dude eh? yeah talented oh, really talented talk like he did a lot but nowhere near what he could nah, have done no 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 exactly he could he should have been the next ready and then obviously Lawrence is like he, he had like in that same when he come to Enduro he'd been off the bike for how many years because that's when the first year he just come back was 15 so yeah. when did that 350 come out 11 and then he what did stopped in 12, I think he had like think. two years off yeah yeah yeah. and then yeah went to Enduro so he then, would have had like 13 and 14 off probably yeah yeah <laughs> and then come back and I'm like dude's you know still got it yeah but same thing if he wanted it but he lived out Berkey's that's his lifestyle country whatever and he'd already done all that junior stuff like dominated and then yeah he's, he wasn't fussed from him. he was out mustering sheep uh, mustering goats goats yeah making bulk coin and then he was getting paid from racing but that was just some fun on the weekend traveling with his old boy going races and riding dirt bikes and man think about the miles they would have done oh, like every hundreds drive. of thousands of kilometers yeah. to race oh, yeah. that's what's crazy about some of the people that raced in australia that like even for us like we were doing sunny states man every second weekend dad would drive 20 hours one way mm. and 20 hours the other way every second weekend to do the fucking sunny states and the funny thing they say is like yeah hey, we're in the middle of everywhere like it's only eight hours yeah eight, eight hours, hours to in, brizzy eight hours and then six to sydney and then 10 down to melbourne and i was like oh yeah, it's in the middle of everywhere it's, <laughs> all, <laughs> it's a long yeah, way yeah. and there's only like 20 hours to alice springs probably so uh but so why didn't you do think that year because i was i wouldn't have gone over 100 k's an hour really <laughs> before that yeah um so they just like ktm just weren't fussed on you doing it no nah, like i had no desert experience ever but that's where that's where it started was 2015 i did <laughs> um it was, it was so funny just the start because we did enduro cost that's when the championship was running yeah so i right. built a sick enduro cost track at home so the, all the team come down there and were there riding testing for that so we had three rounds we went brizzy um and then Sydney, Melbourne, and they were doing testing at Fink in between that as well. Yeah. And then we did a week in, um, I think it was before Melbourne, end of Jan or mid-Feb, we did one at um, Had I went up Mildura and stayed there and, and did test, and that was my first sort of desert test. The last time I rode the desert would have been Had I 2012. I broke two bones in my vertebrae, went over the bars prologue 
first corner just 300 like i was on 1445 on a 300 <laughs> then i got to the i got to the corner I was sitting down and then the rear end just stepped over and i just high-sided like Fuck. just no experience at all in the desert and then um yeah so i hadn't rode desert since then and then i'm just learning it and then i was like at the start i think it was grabo had um ivan long Ty and Toby yeah, Dawn Fink. So this is like it was three M3 them, yeah. and they just already been pre-running at Fink, come back and then, yeah, I was riding a 300 that year because the guy was like, what do you want to ride for Fink? Uh, for Hatter, I was like, well, first year, I was like learning, let's just do 300. So I was riding my Enduro Cross bike, Enduro Cross suspension. I didn't even like changing suspension. <laughs> like I hadn't even done testing then so I had no idea on suspension. I ran my Enduro Cross setting in the desert and they're, they're just shaking my head and then <laughs> Gravo's it was great. You went to Woolies and bought heaps of like stuff, and they was like they were doing like sticker giveaways or whatever. Like from when you spend over thirty bucks, he comes back with all these kid stickers, and it's just slapped all over my bike. And I've still got one of the front fenders. It was like, I oh, was it Rick, not Rick and Morty. It was one of the other other things that's still on the front mud gut at home. I just kept it. Um, so yeah, they were smoking. Ty and Toby were smoking me by like a minute ten around this um, two uh, twenty minute. I oh, know ten minute lap. And Grabo's like, give me your bike or whatever. I'll go out and he'd beat us by like 20 seconds. I, I just couldn't hold it on through like chicanes and Longy was the same, but mm. Longy at least had the desert experience. And then, yeah, in the end, we ended up getting, I think we had, did a bet. It was like, all right, the slowest two, which is pretty obvious who it was going to be, have to go out in their gear to, to dinner that night at the pub. <laughs> so obviously me and Longy lost, but I got closer, close enough to him, which was like, I think got it down to like 30 seconds off him or something. So it wasn't too bad for my first sort of desert hit out. But then, yeah, then I did the 300 for Hatter that year. I ran a 19-litre tank on my bike <laughs> so I could get two laps in because we were chugging like seven and a half litres a lap. Yeah, like The fuel right. consumption for the two-stroke was. You're so I ran this massive, open. I think it was either seven and a half or 19-litre tank, yeah, for the two-stroke, massive. Like the shrouds on the bike was a tank. Yeah. And uh, I just remember, I think the last lap I got up to... I think I got up to fourth or a couple laps but till the end and then I caught one of the riders and then he blew back past me on a straight and a full 50 and I'm like, I'm not riding a 300 next year. Mm. No, I can't have... It's just... You just make up time so easy just from the bike and I had the option to go to a 500 like a couple of weeks before. I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, I thought my 500 was like... Because I was always two-stroke guy so I was like, mm. I don't want to ride a 500. I would die on it. Like, I would just go full nuts. And then, um, yeah, that's when... Uh, that was Tobes' last year in Enduro as well so the 15 then he was done and it was just me and Ty the next year in Enduro in 16 so then that opened up like the whole um, championship for the next year like I just missed out on third outright for the championship for 15 and that cut my pay like it had if you finish in that position you're up in money and I missed out on that by like a couple seconds like Ty pipped me on the last test and it, and it, and it chopped our position and it cost me like 20 grand or something 30 grand and I was just like so cut like I was on jackal for that first year and like I was like spewing and then I was like alright oh, no, it's all in now like the championship's open Tobes is out you got Chris Hollis for the next year you got Greeny you got Ty you got me there like, was only Chris Hollis Greeny in front of me and then it was me and Ty like four fifth yeah. and I was like alright oh, no, it's all on you know whoever wants it next year is going to get it and then yeah just come out first first two rounds won that and then yeah I had pretty much a clean sweep to smash my ankle and twisted that in South Oz and then the enduro was all pretty good that year and then being tight probably had the best battle I've ever had was it had a four hour race and finished 
it was just neck and neck for the first four laps then we hit like a route he went all squirrely and kicked out we were all both on 500s and same bike everything the same and then yeah, he kicked out, and I hit the same whoop with a root in it, and then I kicked out, but then high-sided because the oh. tire was like, then the race goes, if I went down there, like, I was right behind him, like, we were chopping and changing, like, we would have changed leads, like, 50 times that, that whole time, and then in the end, like, he had, like, two-and-a-half-minute lead. In the last few laps, his blisters were chopped out because I knew he didn't have the fitness, but then I knew I was fitter, but I didn't have the speed at the start, so I was like, all right, if I can keep with him at the start, yeah, I'll be right in the, in the end, but then I crashed, and then I just hit my head. I was dizzy as, and then got back going and then in the end i was a bulldog I pulled two minutes on like the last second last lap and it was like a 30 40 second gap and i was just into it and then he I was at the end of the finish i was 11 seconds oh. and i was just like yeah fine it but that was a really good race so pretty cool and then we just got maggoted after that it was so <laughs> fun that was the best thing about like the first year in the team with like toby ty grabo and that like I was like, all right, we're in a job now. It's like full professional. Yeah. I think our first injury cross testing out. We ended up in, <laughs> we ended up in the clubs in Melbourne. <laughs> oh, so funny. And I was like, all right, this is what it's at. So it was pretty funny. Work hard, yeah, play we, hard. It was. Like we do all the work during the week and I was like, all right, we're done. And we just end up just out. Into it. <laughs> it just escalated. Oh, so funny. We just did a van load straight down to Melbourne. Went to like the local club. Oh, good old Ringwood. That's that oh, Ringwood. Too. Yeah. Oh, you know that? Yeah. Went straight to Dakota. Oh, I, I used to live. My first like job in the industry was for Stroke Magazine. Oh like, yeah. Way back in the Where day. Where were they based? Mel North Melbourne. Yeah, right. So I used to live in Geelong. Yeah, right. And then uh, with Lewis Stewart and um, and Subby, he was like the editor at the time. Uh-huh. And then we used to, I was on like 18 and I moved down in fucking full winter from Cairns to yeah. Melbourne. I was just like, what is going on? And then, yeah, we'd get the train every day from Geelong to North Melbourne. So I sort of learnt yeah, the right. lay of the yeah, land yeah. A, a little bit, but yeah, it's fucking wild joint down there. Oh yeah. Definitely bred a little bit different. Even like, that's the other funny thing I had. Like I, the other good thing is I got out and like some of my mates are surprised I got out and doing what I'm doing because I was in a like good group of dudes, but they were like, you know, they're always the loose kind, like partying yeah. and then just out all the time, clubbing and whatever. Back then, I was like, for me to get out of that, it was just an achievement in itself. But like, yeah. they always knew like how driven I was to racing and how they had the potential I could if I wanted to do it, I could. So I had the right dudes push me along yeah. the way. And then like, that's where it's like... A, it's a problem if you get into that kind of group and they like don't want you to succeed. Oh, yeah yeah 100% like trying to like I would drive them out whenever I was injured I was always like I never drank as from when I was uh, like 13 14 and then I hated alcohol <laughs> and started <laughs> just like because my cousin and brother like older like a couple years older than me so then they were camping out and then they'd have like six pack or whatever and I'd have like one or two and just hate like I can't drink Jim Beam any rums or Johnny Walker any of that whiskey <laughs> stuff now it's just not not good <laughs> And um, so then I had that. I was like, no, nah, I'm not drinking. And then when I started getting a bit more serious about riding and racing, I was like, didn't touch drinks till I was like 17 or eight, 18. And then like drank, I'd only drink like three times a year. It was yeah. so rare for me to drink. And then, um, yeah, me mates were just, yeah, when you're out with them, it's just loose. It's just all in, just end up doing stupid, like not like illegal stuff, but like just, yeah, just, carry like, just, yeah, just carrying on, running a mark, just doing the, just doing the st- same old stuff. So, um 
Yeah, and then like they'd follow me to all the races. So any local race, like any enduro cross, they'd hire a minibus. They one year they got, I think it would have been like twenty five of them, just five o'clock out the front, got a minibus on the piss, <laughs> drove all the way down to like the enduro cross event, and they're all going. They all go to um, Kmart or Target and get an outfit. So they're just like thirty bucks on a headband. They write Chucky on it, and then a white t shirt, whatever number I'm running on the back of the graffiti and on it, like, and then they're just all on it all day and all like the like whoever's on the piss ends up with him that time and then they're yeah. doing nudie runs up the after the race they're doing nudie runs up the road when it was a traffic jam and they're like <laughs> just, just running a mark so there's like yeah that's right everyone's like oh he's really loose when i was coming up but it was like i was pretty sensible it was just my mates that were loose yeah everyone's got those loose mates that yeah you just gotta like not be a part of it sometimes and then come back and then be a part of it when it's sensible yeah but i mean <laughs> them to like make the racing so fun to, yeah to go to so you good because you know every time you go around the lap they're just yeah. there cheering <laughs> yeah. you on it's like no like you had all the biggest um like riders and names there and i was like just a 17 year old kid there like i wasn't doing any nationals I had there was no social media stuff then there was no fan base and then i've got 30 mates dressed up with my number and name on me <laughs> yeah. screaming at me like who's this chucky kid and then, <laughs> yeah. like, and then it was all on the pa systems and that like it's like the chucky fan squad and i was like no one like that's how it, like it just started like that and it was pretty cool for the years that an enduro cross series was running was mega because everyone would have a good time it's like it's like the supercross event like that's yeah for us that was what was like we had fans in front of us and we got to race in front of them yeah, like so they had like five to ten thousand people at this track watching extreme course and dudes just eating shit all the time on the, <laughs> on the on the track so it was pretty cool um so that was that was pretty mad where'd the chucky nickname come from <laughs> is there a story yeah there? kid just, just when you're chucking chucking up drank too much mom's titty milk so i just chugging <laughs> chugging bottles i just smash him like I'll just do mum goes I'll just chug a bottle of milk and then I'll just beg for another one smack another bottle like I don't know how much that is as a kid but it's like I just do two bottles and pass out and then <laughs> but then sometimes I'll just spew it up I'll cry and then just vomit and chuck up on someone whoever's holding me so and then they, they just started calling me Chucky and then yeah and then milk turned into other things and then, <laughs> <laughs> now I do the milk challenge and it's easy nah um, yeah not too bad yeah I was pretty bad I didn't I didn't drink because I always got sick. So I think it's just the Sanders blood. I don't think we we're really good drinkers. Yeah. They were good parties. That's a thing. Mm. That's a thing. I got some mates that aren't good drinkers. Yeah. Yeah. I can get lit pretty quick, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we saying that's good here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I can. I'm, I'm always all about a good time. Anyone who's been with me and I'm, I'm sending it, it's always fun. The, yeah. The stories are true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the boys are like but austin this year oh, uh, i had everyone just be like chucky <laughs> is a fucking legend <laughs> and i was like yeah well yeah yeah the stories are true boys yeah no definitely run a mark how good is that town i don't know it's, it was good but the crew we were with was good as well yeah though, like, so who'd you have it was hunter jet millsy yeah coop coop truman truman jeremy yeah lucas Oh, that's yeah. eighteen. It dude. was, it was mega, and then, and then uh, Truman had a mate there as well, and then, for who else was there? Oh, and Austin Kent, Coop's mechanic as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was mega. I got some. I have to show you some funny videos of that full session we had every night. Oh, really? <laughs> I ended up in a Borat Mankini, <laughs> <laughs> shotgun and cans out from my mouth off my tooth. <gasps> I ended up splitting my lip open, blood coming out everywhere. Yeah. 
It was mega. <laughs> we just sent it every night. I reckon I had four hours sleep. And I was chasing Jet because Jet was obviously doesn't drink. Yeah. Actually, the first night, Friday night, was wicked. We were out. Went to this... <laughs> this was mental. Um, what did we do? We went out. Went out for dinner. I know we did pool beers probably first because we watched practice qualifying at the track, went back. Mm. And went out for dinner... That's right. I caught it. That's where I met Miller there, and we we're there at the at the pub. Stories at the bar. We had a nice steak restaurant. Stories were told. Snapchats were sent, <laughs> and then we went out to another little close um, bar. And it was like, um, I don't know. It was a really weird one. I don't know who hooked it up, but it was like a membership one. You had to be a part of like a golf club thing, and then you could get oh, in. It was like a private. Yeah, and then, yeah. so someone knew someone. We got up in there, and it was just us. And then fourteen Red Bull chicks rolled up. With, with the, none of maker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they all rolled in and I'm like, Jet's just eyes are just like <laughs> open. And I'm like, look at this kid. And I was walking in, I'm like, it's just us. There's like yeah. seven, eight dudes plus a few other people. And then like these chicks just rolled in and I was just like, oh, we'll just, I was, we were already lit. Like, Good day to have a ripple hat, eh? Yeah. And then it was just, neg- just into it. And then like at this bar, they were doing this shot, these shots out of ice glasses, ice shot glasses. And they had like a bell and you could hit the um hit the bell and i don't know what you get it just once you shot it you throw it at the bell so then jet's like well i can't drink let's just get you know things of ice and just lobbing at him <laughs> and then a couple of hours later i ended up going just i was in front of it and because jet keep messing it and i was like hit the hit the bell don't hit my face <laughs> and then my chick just comes in off the side just smacks me in the balls with an ice thing <laughs> and i was like oh that was great and then uh then <laughs> went into the toilet and jet was in there as well and I'm like, hey, buddy, and um, <laughs> I'm just trying to trying to figure out how I can keep, say it. But, keep uh, it PG. Yeah, yeah, keep it PG. And um, I was just like, hey, buddy, and he, and he got shocked because I came up right behind him. He thought I was going to do something, like pull something on him. And then he just pushed me back, and I went back into the wall, and there was this glass table there. Oh. And uh, <laughs> like, because we went to the gym, he's like, all right, whatever you do, don't mess this joint up. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, 100%, like, I'm all good. Like, yeah, I'm straight, I'm, bro. I'm, I'm straight, sober. I'm, I'm, I'm sober. I'm good. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, righto. <laughs> I'm, I'm all good. Because uh, I brought out my talent at the last bar. And then I was like, yeah, I won't do it here. I'm all good. And then went there and Jets pushed me back into this glassing and it's just shattered. like, <sighs> And it's just like breaking glass. And I'm like, oh, one thing we said we weren't going to do and just smash this glass table. And I'm like, dude. And <laughs> I just walked down and went straight to Jeremy. I was like, accident in the bathroom, full accident. This happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. Like, we did, it was full accident. Like Jet just freaked out, pushed me back and it happened. So, all right. And then it ended up being all right anyway, but far out like he's like oh it's a cheap table dude probably made that much money that night anyway yeah far out but um yeah that was funny such a good city mm. oh, but, but when Jeremy calls me it's still a photo of him by the pool at Austin MotoGP in like 2017 <laughs> every time I see it eh, it's just like the flashback to just the best weekend oh, ever it was mega it's just such a sick city like the city itself yeah. and it just comes so alive for, for that one weekend and you know you got like the F1 there and like it's such a sick track the yeah. jack he always does yeah, so good it's fast, and, like the bro. vibes there yeah. like oh it's such a cool place yeah, it was funny and then what else and then we just run amok every night pretty much it was good just went different bars different places and then Coop just come off the there was off season for them so you could run amok it was good oh yeah, yeah. so he would have like just come off the championship basically yeah well yeah you had well the 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 motocross yeah they just finished so he got he got down there and had fun and then it was just good to like 
they didn't have to worry about it and then just run amok. It was fun. It was yeah. just all the boys together. It was a good boys trip and sick. We just woke up every morning, damaged, back into it. <laughs> damaged? <laughs> yeah. Crazy to think, like, where to be, you know, kind of cruising with all those boys and you're, you know, a big Red Bull athlete that's kind of, you know, like you're on the same, you know, playing field as those guys, essentially, like you're paid to you know go and do your things sort of the same as what those boys are and you know to come from apple farm and yeah you know to be living the dream with with those guys yeah it is it is mega when you like when you go back and figure out like your story and you just run through it all the now and you're like dude where you're at now it's massive like to finally roll up like even just going to the top of the world and then now starting this new thing that i'm doing now with the rally it's another career in itself so yeah, it's, it's going really well. And just what I've done in the last two years with Rally, it's it's nearly as much as I've done for all my enduro career. Like, I thought yeah. when I won a six-day outright, I was like, you, you've done it. Like, I didn't want to go back to Europe and race because I hated it there. Mm. And there was no team there that really suited me what I needed. And, um, and then I was like, well, America or... I would have still liked to go race in America and, and do some, like, a, a series there. But, yeah focus on rally now because that's probably where you're gonna gonna see it out now in the career so i've got a good few years to make it happen and try and aim for a dakar win so yeah but now it's it's so cool to yeah definitely to look back and know you're at the top now and it's time to make it happen mm. yeah no, 100% what was when you went to europe so you did like a season in europe yeah so after 2016 when i won the australian stuff and i was like yeah. there and um yeah sort of won most of like all the aoc stuff there and was second at hadar and then went Who to the sixth day tie that's when Ty beat me that's by 11 what, seconds yeah, yeah. Okay. so that was 15 16 16 yeah. yeah and then it still blows my mind that he just gets on a desert bike and just is that good like yeah. i think he was an animal yeah, as yeah. well like yeah. it's fucking crazy yeah. i know oh he could have he could have made it happen no- as well if he, if he went 100 percent in he could do anything like and he he, he probably knew that and mm. that's why he's now riding freaking Broncos bareback mm. and um, sending it on that. And he reckons it's, was it eight seconds? And he goes, you pull up sore than riding down Fink Track <laughs> after eight seconds. I was like, oh, I bet, dude. Yeah. Um, God, I, I want to go out. When we drove to Manji last year, we drove through we drove through Burke. Yeah. And I still, like his numbers are the same. Yeah, and yeah. I, I called him up and he, he wasn't there. But um, man, that's that's a trip to go. Yeah, yeah have you been? Have yeah, you I been went through Burke. Yeah, I called yeah. in through when I was driving up Queensland once. I was like, I was just gonna go see Ty. I think it was after seventeen or eighteen. I was like, I'll call up and, and see him. So yeah, it's cool, cool spot. Cra- up there. Crazy place. Eh? Yeah, it was really dry though because we been sick. You guys, oh, if there's water in, could take you on the boat and yeah, jet skis out and stuff. So yeah, it's just varies a lot with the weather out there and the drought. So yeah, yeah, but I did seventeen. So after all that 16 and I got second in the six day that year as well and um, yeah then I got a gig with um, KDM factory team uh, in Europe that next year I had two year deal with them and then um, yeah just don't know new bike I, like it just changed the model so I went from the bike I was comfortable and did everything testing on settings all sweet knew exactly what I wanted then the new bike come in and then I raced a six day on it and sort of there I should have I made a mistake there where I didn't make it like later on down the track in 19 where I just changed to a new bike after you've been on it all year and then you change to a new bike and you, you, you're fast because you're fit you're strong everything's yeah. working but it's not right 
you're not dialed you don't know what it's going to do off that log or that rock and um, how it's going to react the traction here and there and what conditions and that's where I found out in 16 it was, I was on the grass track and I was swearing at the bike going around I couldn't get it to get traction I was losing it and um, I was just getting smacked on that grass test and I was trying to make it up in every bush test there was so um, yeah I learned that and then and then that next year just carried on from there pretty much because then after that I went to the four day and I was I think it was like I didn't even know what I got at the four day I got smoked that year as well same thing on that bike and I was in Mansfield all grass tests and I couldn't get my head around it and um, I already had my contract done for next year so I was for Europe so I was like oh well we're, we're going anyway don't worry what, about this what result. was it about it did you end up figuring it out at all or yeah I did because um, I could jump back on my old 16 bike and it was the same thing like 10-15 seconds faster That's like, crazy, 5 seconds on a grass track day. like I come back that next year because I went over we did a race in Finland in the snow which was wicked like we did heap of testing there and rode in the snow with spike tyres was so sick and I was like oh whatever result we get here it's whatever and then went to the next race in Spain already did a towing championship sucked at that and then went to to the Spain one and I was like alright my first proper race where I should you know be good and was like nowhere again and I'm like like I should all these guys have like beaten in the six day like I beat all these dudes last year on like the same bike and I'm like why is it different what's going on and obviously Phillips was there that year as well and he's like dude it's different here like the team you're with the people you got to deal with the training you're going to do like you got to travel for riding like not like a home i just wake up walk go to the shed yeah. go ride enduro straight out from my house there you got to wake up in italy you go to the the workshop 10 minutes down the road jump in the car load your van or whatever drive an hour and a half to a motocross track try and find a woods test it's just stone it's like freezing mm. cold it's it's whatever but um it's just and you're trying to develop a new bike and have a right a good pe- good group of people around you that, that like, want to listen to your feedback yeah, and then want to do what you suggest. And they want to help you win as well. Like, not just like, here's the bike and we got all the stuff here, go win. Mm. And then that's literally how I was. I, I, had, I said what I needed. I went back here. I got an engine done by Kevy Doyle. Did it. He did the, um, he did my carby head cylinder. I built that bike here. I took my cylinder head over carby. I built that on a practice track before a world round on my practice bike. I went to a training track with Phillips, took all the tools that I needed to do to do the change, <laughs> put my head cylinder carby on, went to the racetrack. And then I was like, uh, yeah, why is my practice bike better than my race bike? And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, ride it. And the manager wrote it. Oh, it's so much better da, da, da. I was like yeah yeah so that's my engine from home and then they just went snap like and yeah I should have just not said it and then made them change it and then I would have helped a lot really but anyway they're like no, so not possible the motor? they like, reckon it would have blown up I was like funny that because I ran it for that same engine for every six day yeah and it Tobes ran it as well when he ran a 300 I'm like it's funny because we ran that but and I said they're like no it's not tested so we can't approve it mm. it's like alright there's the engine send it up to you know where it's got to go to get tested and then no didn't happen that's crazy yeah. and so what was it from that, that from that, that point on apply? i gave up from the rest of the year i yeah. gave up i said all right european holiday you guys don't want to help i don't want to help i wanted to test the old bike and make things better yeah no one same thing i was like in the team no one was really happy with it yeah and um yeah it's it was frustrating i was like i don't want to be in that toxic environment 
I want a group of people around me that will work. And that's where I come back home and I built that with Husqvarna when I was here. And then that's why I got to the top step on the world because yeah. I built, got a group of people I needed, good mechanic, good manager, good suspension people, a good engine package and just go do my work and make it happen. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. It's crazy when you get a, like manufacturers, like this is what blows my mind about Tomac this year. You know, you got the guy that's on Cowie forever mm. and he like, he's one, he's one of the, you know, most winning guys. Like you, you got Villo that retires and then you're like, oh wow, we're just losing, you know, we're losing the top guy and then bang, Eli comes in. It's like, yeah. oh, well, here he is. Yeah. Like you, you get given this guy and then they leave a team because there's another team that will do more of what they want. Yeah. And you're just like, what? Hell, mm. that's the guy. Look at the guy. That's the guy you got. Why yeah, don't you yeah. just like help the guy, give the guy what you want? I, I don't understand how it works. Yeah, I guess, but same thing, like time and those guys, you know, haven't got, well, they're already at the end of well, the last few years of racing in 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 Supercross. So it's like, maybe they just get stale. Like same as Anderson, you know, you're struggling mm. for a bit and it's like, all right, freshen up and need something new. And, um, but more like Tomac, the team, just they don't they don't want to change stuff. Like they don't want to listen to a rider a rider feedback. Yeah. It just seems bizarre. Yeah, it's I don't know, I don't know why, but it's not like the old days. Dudes wanted frames changes. Yeah, someone's making a new frame the next week for the race. You know, it's like even just to try different things or I don't know. It's like people are scared of losing their job or what they've done yeah. something wrong. They don't want to like we make mistakes as riders. Yeah. We crash. Oh, you know, and we're the dudes that are most down on ourselves yeah and then it's like you make something wrong with a bike if someone's given the wrong information at a test for a bike or if you know someone's muddled up a, a design on the bike you know those guys don't take the blame and they just palm it off to someone else maybe i don't know but yeah. it's just like they don't want to get in trouble for us like dudes we, we're here for the same reason we want to win we want the best bike possible we want to be safe comfortable yeah let's make it happen and that's the thing like you need a good group around you no matter, no matter where you go and that's where like going to Dakar last year like I did a year with the team and I was like like what do you need to for Dakar next year I was like I need two people to fly here yeah <laughs> and got that to happen and then I had the best bike I've I've asked for and that's where I was so comfortable on the bike and confident yeah yeah this year at Dakar like was, the speed was there this the bike handling was insane compared to previous races and and terrain so yeah it just worked for me and i was as happy as i'd race that bike next year in a heartbeat yeah i don't even need a test i could just jump on it and know exactly what it's gonna do especially when it hits a curb <laughs> <laughs> yeah the tarmac you got the tarmac door yeah. uh so did you just not vibe with europe in general too because it sort of sounds like that's got a little bit to do with it because man i got a lot of respect for jed beaton like had, yeah. had him on the potty the other day and like he's you can tell he's kind of going through it a bit at the moment yeah just with it's fucking hard bro to live over there yeah. like it's just such a gnarly deal to not speak the language yeah. not have your friends the weather's fucking terrible yeah. it's a mission to do everything i don't think you can do it on your own and that's where i probably did it wrong mm. is like is going by yourself like i had phillips there which was good and there was another aussie benny kearns who was over there racing that honestly year. shout out to matty phillips too he's, like he's, he's one kid. legend he of has all killed legends, it. he's, he's one of the most like respected dudes i love like yeah everyone, like everyone's like oh, what do you want to oh like i want to do what matty phillips did in enduro and that's what i still wanted to do is like go and just race world enduro championships as big as you can get yeah and um yeah like he went over first year and like 
did good, dominated, and then he's like he knew how hard it was, and then took his his girlfriend over there as well, and then lived with him, and it made it happen, made it work, and um, yeah, he just and, and another good thing was he travelled a lot away from home, so he's like mm. from Tassie, yeah, had to jump yep. over and spend a lot of time in the mainland before instead of it's so expensive always go back so that's how it helped for him as well as well and then traveling a lot for the two couple years he was racing in australia doing the aorcs moving around a lot already away from home family Mm. so he had a good stepping stone and then jumped into a good team good surrounding and then made it happen won the world championship did it again next year so um yeah that's where i guess it was just wrong and for me doing that and then you know jed's obviously enjoying it now he's you know he's got his partner there and whatever and and making it happen and i'm sure he's got a good crew around him there but yeah. i was sort of like at the end of it i sort of did but you sort of do need to give yourself one year of like just all right cop it, it out. make it happen and then and then go i'm sure if it's like that in america as well so mm. um but yeah just learning all that experience i wasn't 22 when i was doing that as well and you mm. think all right you've won the australian stuff you've gone straight to the world let's go and a few other riders went over there as well so um yeah it was just a little that was a good learning curve as well but it, it helped me to say it was always in the back of my head i wanted to go race the world championship yeah and i went down and i was like all right there's only a couple teams i would ride for but wrong brands i didn't want to ride and then i was like it's not worth it and just go home and, and race the australian stuff like and then went back and that's when like we had good contracts and when I went on to Husky and then we're getting good money then and I was like why would you leave yeah home getting paid really good money then to go over to to Europe and like cost of living was more right the struggle then, bus yeah and, and like that you can live at home you know easy make it happen save money put money away you know buy investment and, and make it happen so that's what I did and set set myself up a bit and then you know we had obviously me and Milner and that's when the battle happened for Enduro and built help build the australian enduro scene up again like yeah definitely so he just come back from america struggling and did one year when i stepped over so he went to kdm then i come back and he was with kdm so then they're like oh we'll split you up because we had the rivalry before that anyway yeah and then it was just game on from there it was just into it so we were just wanting to beat each other the whole time and um yeah and the racing was close like we were doing i think the first queens i think we'll come in point two point five point eight and then like one or two seconds for the whole weekend and then like at the end and this is after 15 minute test time like the it it was so close some of the days dudes were just like how's it even it's closer than like moto gp sometimes yeah it's like like downhill insane like you come across you do a fly lap and it was like point two and you're like look like he's just look steaming in the helmet i'm steaming like how in the helmet like how did that just happen like and like it was coming balls to the wall every weekend like that it was insane and that's the thing like we're pushing each other so much we just grew and grew and pulled away from like third place outright like all that all the time and just kept hammering it it was sick that it's crazy to think the way that your speed can develop like you're already the best guy yeah and then you get this other guy that comes and just pushes you and i'm sure some of those tests were just absolutely sending it yeah, yeah. on your just, on your behalf you know just bulldogs and and that's probably like where obviously carmichael it was that guy until the next dude stepped up like reedy or stewart and then it was just that group pushing each other mm. no one else wanted to you know get to that next step and then it's just like that's you, until now everyone's like on that level now and that's what it's built up to so it's just like and that's the same thing in australia but now we've all left and then 
because of the COVID thing and all the racing stopped here, like all the good talents out, mm. out chasing rides in America. Got Lindo over there, Mason Simmons over there, Milner's over in, in Europe now. I'm out doing rally. There's the four dudes out that should be there. And then, um, yeah, now it's just like, all right, it's the same thing. It's freshened up. Who's the next guy coming through? You've got the new kids who want to, you know, throw a dog a bone and see who's going to get it first sort of thing. So that's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. And so while this is going on that's when the Dakar stuff sort of starts to to come along in the background or like where does that fit into the timeline I was in a good good position like I was lucky I could just come off the, the six day win if I come off a bad season you'd be screwed yeah. I'd be working the apple farm and then probably racing you know as, as a second job just trying to scrape something in but I, I don't know like it's just good I had good companies behind me like KDM that would support me no matter what or Husky KDM you know that group there and then had Fox behind me for a long time as well so they're like whatever you want to do like you go in America we'll get you there or help you out wherever you can and um, yeah that's when jumped into rally and I was just like never rode a rally bike in my life flew out was it September and because um, I was changing from Husky to KDM yeah. so I couldn't say anything couldn't say where I was doing whatever because you had to wait for the release and then um just ended up in spain testing rally bike and never rode one before ever and they're like oh you're going to be racing dakar in four months get ready never seen a road book never done navigation before learned for two days off geordie there in, in spain which is really good he's mega teacher and everyone sort of learned from him tobes and and all the team so he's like the navigator um he teaches everyone all the navigation skills and and all that so went there and then did like two weeks testing went one week in Spain with roadbooks and stuff, then went to Portugal, did some roadbooks and tested the new bike and then went straight to Andalusia and raced my first rally, which was a qualifier for the race for Dakar, which was dirt roads, like rally car spec stuff. Yeah. No desert at all. And um, yeah, then just did that, qualified for the race and I was like, all right, next one's Dakar in two more months. <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, pretty pretty intense and went to Dubai and, and trained there and yeah, was first. I hadn't even rode in dunes yet, so I rode in Dubai. I hadn't even been to like Robe or bloody any dunes they got in Australia at all. I hadn't even rode in the desert. Like, still hadn't been out like race Fink yet. And I'm there doing this high speed stuff, and it was just take it all in and, and learn as quick as I can, really. And then, um, yeah, ended up. What did I do? Oh, well, I think I'd crash. No, what did I do? In December, we went. Mean walking did a road book and. I dislocated me June uh, a shoulder on on a June drop like I don't know oh. 30 30 k's into the 200k roadbook we're doing and then it like popped out on a drop off I didn't see and then um went yeah up to catch up to him like it went it was out and then I pretty much had to stop and and put it back in luckily it was good and um yeah I had to ride that was four weeks before Dakar oh. so I was like I didn't ride for two weeks and then the next day we went fishing <laughs> we were on the boat with um was it sammy sammy's mate took us out fishing sunderland and then tobes and walkner walkner never been offshore fishing and we went out and we we're catching sharks and um, <laughs> dorado those dolphin fish looking yeah. things and i dislocated my shoulder the same shoulder again oh, on the fishing rod just fell serious? off and it slipped out again i was like this ain't good and then uh, it was like a couple of weeks off and rode, rode a little bit and then, yeah, raced Dakar with it. So it was probably good to calm me down a little bit from my first one. But, um, yeah, it was was cool that first first experience because I had no idea what was going into. First time in Saudi Arabia. It was sort of similar to some Dubai. Like I got to figure out the dunes and the shapes and how to ride them a bit and the flow of the guys, the pace. 
and then in the race was yeah really cool to to do and experience it freaking mega it was there was a cool thing i did everyone's like it's it's hard and the amount of stuff that happened that first rally at dakar did like just because that was a wild one eh? oh yeah it was a wild ride i did the first six days or first couple of days and i was bunking with walkner in the in the camper and um yeah, he's a we- he's a weapon of a dude and different different personality to everyone else like austrian sort of style and one of the funniest dudes i know like he's just he's just i don't know we're like really similar in a way like we we just really want to work hard for it and really passionate about it and like we'll do everything we can to to try and do good and that's probably where we got on we like a bit of rave music this and that so yeah. like i can i can go rave music with him in the morning just getting amped and jacked up and um he's like to me every day and and sanders how is it it's it's tougher than the sixth day and we done six days by then i was like nah your body's more sore like it's actually not that physically demanding mentally yes you're drained from the focusing on the road books and and like just trying to get your diet right and all that but like body wise now nah, we're, we're sweet like i could keep you on full gas like this and then and then it just started like the next day i crashed and i just out of nowhere and that's where I split me me lip open. I was bleeding. I was leading. I was leading like the stage out because I was caught up to the Honda guys or what. Oh, maybe I was second, and and I was opening the stage, and I just randomly hit a rock in the dune, and it just tucked my front wheel, and I just was on my face before I knew it. Split me me lip open, and I mean front wheel was all buckled. That's on the marathon stage, and then we had to. It was all buckled going. I had to tighten it up. I just put blood dripping out. I was drinking me water. It was coming out bottom of my lip, and oh. it was it was insane. And then I got there, and first thing is everyone's just coming up because they knew I had a crash, and I've got blood going everywhere. And they're like, "What's going on?" And everyone's just like, "Let's just grab this content." And I was just knocked out. Oh, I wasn't knocked out, but I was like, You're out just dizzy and just drained. Like you just all my my hydration like was gone out. Like it ran out because mm. it would have it split the bladder, and just run out of food and you just drain you dripping blood everywhere you can't taste anything because it's just blood in your mouth and yeah it was it was a long day after that like four hours from that happening to the end so um and then you were at a marathon stage so we had to work on our bike so straighten it kick the crap out of the front wheel and try to make it as good as possible and then um yeah then walking was like all right how is it now i was like dude i'm sore like my neck was sore like once you have one crash and you hurt yeah. your body you ride and bruise for the next few days and then, and then you're then, compensating and then yeah. everything starts to get sore because and then <laughs> and then like a couple of days later i think it was two days later after the marathon stage i get stung by the bee at, yeah. the, <laughs> at the end of the at the end of the race so that was funny like just did the interviews went down the road i was looking at the beehives like i got some hives at home and i'm pretty keen into the honey and, and bees and um i'm looking at the hives I'm like fire they got heaps out of you i'm like what what trees are they in like i'm always looking at the flowers what they're what they're into and that I'm looking at the trees and this and that and literally i like, went out like 500 meters from the interviews one straight off the shield the windshield on the front of our thing went off hit my helmet and went straight onto my lip hit me so i just got <laughs> i got to the fuel station and i like walked i've got a problem he's like what is it and i'm like my lip is it fat and he's like <laughs> he just started laughing <laughs> and then sunderland comes over and starts pissing me so i was like what happened dude i'm like got stung by a bee and then i got stung on the ass as well one flew in there must have been just heaps flying across the road and that like everyone had them all over their bikes and I just got rolled and then I sort of had my face mask on for the interviews when I got off mm. and then no one in the team sort of knew except for a couple of eyes like oh show me your face and then it just went whoo, everyone back in wanted to catch it and then I couldn't even I couldn't drink and I was talking like a spastic and it was pretty funny I had a bit of Botox that day and then yeah it just, it just goes viral <laughs> that fillers. funny stuff yeah. yeah I got the feelers going but 
yeah, it was pretty funny. And then, yeah, Daka can just throw anything at you. Like, it's insane what can happen. Like, even just that, but just getting lost and you're shitting yourself out there. Like, because really? you, you just, especially if you're opening or there's guys in front and you're like, this track should be here. Like, surely they're wrong or whatever, but you missed a section and you're mm. like, you missed a note or something like that. And it just blows your mind. Like, you have to be focused as soon as you start that stage, well, the whole day, really. And then just full double checking things always looking at the road book checking the terrain focusing on all that because you don't know <laughs> you have so many oh shit moments when you look down you're like all right just quickly check the because you got mm. your you got your cap just like your degrees on on the right and then you got your left as your kilometers and then you got your your road book paper just below that on the left so you're matching up your kilometers to the digital one to your road book so you're like all right how much further all right a couple more hundred meters and then like that moment is when you're flickering down looking at your phone on when you're driving or something like that yeah. and you hit just a rock in front of you and your wheel just yeah. it just shakes at 120 k's an hour 30 and you just like shivers all three like imagine if that was bigger or, just like, rattled you're just like oh, all right just double check like before you look down make sure it's good like and when you look take it all in mm. don't just yeah look at it and quickly and like because you look down 10 times for the time it's it takes it's a memory thing runs. as well so yeah. it's like yeah pretty pretty hard to do is it is it the craziest thing you've done on on a bike like is it as gnarly as because you've you've done i think that's one of the cool things about being an enduro rider is you just do so many disciplines yeah. but is it the gnarliest thing you've done if you want to send it yeah like if you want to go balls to the wall in the dunes in the rocks 100 percent. it's just how much you want to risk your life really it's just if you want to be you know you got to be comfortable like dudes are watching me train like it's it's changed a lot from the last because that's what it seems like the last couple years it's just a send fest pretty much whenever tobes come in and brought that speed in from when he started in 15 and like when coma was racing then like tobes had that speed over coma but it was more of a that was when the water boy thing was in so it's just like no one can pass coma yeah coma's the golden child everyone's got to you know let him lead the stage you, he can choose when he gets to open like that when you won but now it's just like all for all that's when i first come into the race the team for the first year i was like i ain't no water boy i ain't sign up to be carry parts for someone or do this donate something to my bike if i'm racing i'm dead i'm leaving my home for six months to train for this race and i'm finishing it i'm not going back just to you know if if it's a big problem and and that like and if it's early on in the race then it's their fault but at the end i'll try and help if someone needs to win for sure like you're there for it and um but yeah that's what i said from the start i was like i ain't going in like that and that's where it's changed a lot like when tobes was in it was tobes or walkner Sam, like when Coma went out, it was like, all right, it's free for anyone can win. And that's where Tobes just set the speed and and he was just dominant then. Like he had that advantage over everyone. And um and that's the first year, that's where he just dominated a few stages and and had that breathing room and it's and it's just crazy like that. Like now and that's where the speed started and everyone's like, All right, from Honda we have to get to that speed. Like Beretta was there from Honda, like he's the fastest dude as well but he just keep you just, everyone just goes oh he's gonna make a mistake do something stupid crash out like he normally does um so everyone's like oh just wait for that day wait for that day and it, and it normally happened until this year i don't think he did anything stupid i think he was pretty good and finished <laughs> in a, oh, i think he got lost day one like the some guys did so um but yeah like he's insane insane pace so it's always like all right you can gauge off beretta on toby from where your speed's at in rally and then um that's where yeah now i was like when i'm training and testing i'm hitting whoops flat out like 
people watching my videos when going into this year's Dakar and I was riding around the sand dune motocross track on a rally yeah. bike like it's nothing and dude's like you don't race Dakar like that and I was like alright you jump in a chopper and you watch me for a stage and tell me yeah. I don't ride like that because all the chopper footage I got this year is me full sand on a track I don't even see dropping off things jumping things hitting rocks like it's nothing because I'm confident in my riding skill and my ability to, to ride this bike I'll ride it to the limit because you know it's my life you risk to where you, you're comfortable with yeah so um and that's that's where i was so confident this year in, in my riding and the skill of the bike set up i was like i just knew that i was going to be i've oh, got the best bike set up if i had more top speed then it would have been even better but you gotta you know you can't have it, everything perfect yeah that's what's crazy is that you never did think you never had because like toby's style come from think yeah because it's like two hours of just wide open yeah. like 140 average speed mm. and then he just took that that's all he knew like he was the king of the desert and then you take that to dakar and then it's like well when he can ride like that it's just let's just ride it like a fink stage you know and then it it just changed that that game but for you to like not have that desert experience not have any of that background like really i guess all you had was knowing that toby could do it and you'd raced and you'd come from the same spot as he did like is that where that belief come from sort of yeah i knew it like i knew that i didn't know how my high speed was going to be obviously because i'd done think but that's just the one area i had to do i knew i had all the bike skills from all the other guys because when i first got there the, the team managers and that like palo who got me there from husky and then and geordie as well it's like obviously take everything in it's rally it's high speed it's dangerous it's this and that but I, I guess like doing all my different enduros and disciplines of motocross, different desert races, you've I've read every terrain already pretty much other than dunes. And and you can re- I, I just think I can read things a lot quicker and faster and, and move around on the bike a lot better from this enduro style and, and how I have it on the pegs and I float around a lot. So it's a little bit different with that, but I knew just as, as soon as I could get around the high speed stuff, but down think you got to worry about the whoops and having your bike set up for that and knowing the track mm. for that so you can go full gas where and you got to be probably a bit fitter and stronger for that than well f- more strength i guess like you still got to be fit for dakar but you're not putting your bike through that uh your body through that damage mm. like you're not high heart rate high intensity all day you got to do you know six hours or well, five hours in the stage but you got to do 12 hours on the bike like you'll do your road section in the morning then you gotta start mm. your race warm up get g'd up focus for those you know 110 percent for those five hours shut off cruise back and you know still gotta watch the road obviously because it can be dangerous but um and then get back to the camper shut off eat and recover and go again the next day for 12 days so it's mm. a different endurance to to what fink is going full gas so i don't know it's just i just sort of went in with everything i knew with bike setup and in my riding style and just adapted to everything so and just learn everyone's weaknesses and strengths because i could be riding around and go oh crap i feel slow in this section or that section but then i watch these guys go through on the rally bike as well because i was mm. used to riding an enduro bike a sand setting bike like from hatter style and i'll be like oh i should just be able to stand up on the pegs and just wheelie around here like no stress but then you watch a rally bike and it's, you got 36 liters of fuel on it and yeah. it's a 166 kilo bike compared to a you know 100 and 20 full of fuel with a big tank on a 500 so it's like it's got a fair bit of weight and the size of it's a bit different different tires it's going to handle different so it was just 
learning it all and making it happen and just taking it step by step and building the confidence up in the bike and your riding ability to ride the desert and then <laughs> having your confidence in the road book as well is another story did did the speed stuff come like fairly easy and quick to you yeah because normally when you go on full gas in the desert like that it's open so you don't have trees or anything around you you can see everything you can read the terrain and say okay there's a heap of rocks in this riverbed that could be a sharp one so you know don't go 140 through there go like 80 yeah. so well, whatever pace you can ride whatever the bike's handling at sit at that and then when you're on the plateaus it's full gas just cruising you could be there for 10ks just full gas for you know a few minutes just wedge just like oh i need more power like you sit looking down you're like 170 you're like come on get more, get more, get more. <laughs> and you're like just trying to trying to get it up there but the high speed stuff's normally pretty safe it's just how much you want to risk it you know from 80ks to 120 really yeah so that's like that's more like the danger zone it's yeah when it's kind of you when can go fast but you also probably shouldn't yeah when you're going through real rocky stuff it's normally pretty sketchy that's like this year they cancelled one of the stages we did i think we only did an hour and a bit in or something i already made up a bunch of time in this rock because i was just full send mode and then they canned it but i was that was my day to make up a lot of time and mm. i got shafted i won it by like a minute and a half or two minutes but we only did like 100 k's to the first fuel stop and i was furious because they all stopped and i'm like i went off me trevor like i was just like it's not my fault you guys didn't set your bike up for this because they're like going to me oh we should stop it's too dangerous too so i was like no i'm perfectly fine like i'm <laughs> safe in this environment i set my bike up for this there's already tobes and a few other six other dudes already in front they're racing and i'm like i'm comfortable here like it's because they just it, it is a it's a risk in one way from them but i'm like i'm i'm trained for this i'm doing this like this is the race it's what they throw it yeah i'm not here yeah it's dakar it's like it's and then like no it's not dakar dude it's it's dangerous this and that and like they've got their point going because the cars rode it the day before and opened it like we knew this was going to happen at the start of the race we all didn't say anything and i was like well good for me because i'm better in the rougher dangerous more technical conditions so I was just clicking gears, cheering, passing dudes flat out that, <laughs> yeah. that day. And I'm like, all right, I've got another 200 Ks to go to make up some time. And then that was, yeah, they, they cut that. And then, yeah, then it was the rest day. And then, and then I was opening that next stage and that's when I crashed out on the road. So I was just, just like little things like that. It's just like, it just annoys you because it was all there ready for you. And it seems like a shit show of a race to oh. do at times. Like it's just something that like I find it hard to believe the amount of money that gets spent on it and the investment yeah. and like the amount of money the Saudis would pay to have it there and just like for it to just be a fucking shit show <laughs> in terms of like <laughs> and, yeah in terms of like nah I'm not doing that one ah we're clipping it here ah no nah, we'll, we'll we'll move this around and then like as the actual racer that's trying to do it like so much of shit is just out of your control mm. yeah like at the start of this year's one like we had a lot of rain up the north like we didn't have dust for the whole race pretty much like it was perfect conditions but yeah they had a heap of rain and then they had to shorten some stages because the rivers flew out and then they couldn't cross them because they were on like on the flats and stuff so there's still water sitting there so then um they yeah just cut them short but then when they cut it during a stage like that and like we got i got told like day four or something at the end of the race like i had a shock like this is where i missed a waypoint by like four meters of this radius and i was losing it like i made up heap of time killed it and then missed it and then lost 15 well, i lost 25 minutes but i made up 10 minutes like for the whole stage 
And then um, I got to the finish line, like race is cancelled, it's all over. Just sit here, you're not allowed to move. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like you get across the finish line, you just had a crap day. And then they're like, race is cancelled, like it's finished. Like as in the whole event's off. And you're like, what was what? that? Why was that? I, I don't know. They wouldn't tell us anything. I'm like, is, is everyone all right? Like no one's died or something? Like what wh- what's happened? There's a terrorist attack? Like what's going on? And then they wouldn't say anything. I'm like, and then Tobes was the next one behind me. And I'm like, dude, they just told me like they've just canned the whole race. Like it's cancelled. Everyone's done. And they're like, I'm like, what? I'm wigging out. And like they they pulled the tape across us. We weren't allowed to talk to anyone or anything. And I'm like, what would fire what did it end up being? Oh, apparently there was no helicopters or something in the sky, so they had to stop the race. Yeah, right. But it was massive. And then in the end, it wasn't everything counted. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh. what's going on? Like, it's just there's so many people. Like, it, it's a massive event, and heli yeah. run it's sick. But like when they just they get overpowered by some people, like to make those decisions, I guess, and some people it affects and some it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, nah, crazy deal. Especially when you're in those in those countries, eh? Like, I've I've watched a ton of like different like shit to do with the uh, the the Middle East, and it is the wild west, bro. Like yeah. Saudi Arabia is no joke. There's nothing out there. Like it's insane. I think I didn't have anything sketchy this year, but the year before, I had kids just roll out of out of the bushes just pegging rocks and bricks really? and stuff at me and I was in a speed zone too so like we're going past a camp and we're sitting on 50k's or 30k's now really slow and they're just launching these rocks at me and I'm like and the dads are over there like you don't have what guns they got in that car and you don't oh. want to like hit a kid or anything or you know get a speed penalty for just clicking gears but yeah what are you going to do like it's but it's pretty good like they on the road sections they have cop cars every like couple k's down the yeah. road it's really good like you feel safe in the morning because you're leaving at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning to go to your road section and um, before the start at 7.30 daylight. So it's good to have that at least. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it's safe and they they do put, like the government do put a lot of effort in and and the organisers do a really good job with it. It's just monster. Like it's the sickest thing. Craziest thing to see like it actually unfold. Yeah. They, uh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, he's got like an abbreviation, but he's like the prince of Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah. What, do you know the, nah, you know the no dude's idea. name or whatever? No. Anyway, basically like he took over from his dad. So his dad's a king. So he took over and basically he accused like all of... Because it's like a big royal family that mm. like it's a complete... Like it's just a kingdom. And uh, so he accused all of the royal family of c- being corrupt against the government because all the, the people in Saudi, like, they're not wealthy at all, but that's, like, pretty much the most wealthy country in the world. And uh, so then th- this new prince dude's come in and he's pretty much just said, like, nah, all of the the rest of the royal family except for me and me old boy are corrupt. They locked them in the... Um, what hotel was it? It was like a five-star resort. They locked all of these like full billionaire Saudis in the in the the five-star, six-star hotel or whatever, yeah. and just didn't let them out until they they just fleeced them all with like all their money, like give back all the money that you stole, or, or you're never getting out of here. And so there was like heavy, heavy shit that goes down in, in Saudi. It's like yeah, the right. craziest place, man. They literally can just do whatever they want. Like yeah. the, the prince guy there. I'm just in and out for the race. <laughs> so yeah. Wherever that race is, I'll go. And then I, you always, I always think about because I just, I listen to a ton of like random podcasts and shit about it. And, um, Every time, like, I see you boys go there or Formula One or MotoGP, I'm just like, fuck, I don't know, boys, hey, eh? Like, it's been a wild joint. Yeah. No, it's sick. Like, it's it's so cool to go there and actually, like, 
the spots we get to see, like they show it all on all the TV packages and that, like it's unreal. Some of the tracks mm. we get to go to, like no one's out there. There's nothing out there other than desert. And you're just like, this is sick. Like, especially when you're opening a stage and there's no lines in front of you and you're just like, the whole race is depending on me on where I'm going. And like, you just like, you could just ruin everyone's day by just making a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Which really, happens. Oh hey? yeah, it did. Like that was the first day this year. It was like, cause it was prologue and then you got to pick where you start. So like I won the prologue and I was like, all right, 15th, I'll start there and then come through the pack. And in the end, like we got to, I don't know how many K's in and, um, it was probably like 150 K's to go or something to the end. I was, um, I was with I was just catching up to a couple of other riders in front of me and um it was just rough camel grass through dunes, just vegetation area, like heaps of grass and just rough as guts, just just like landmines here, it's hit yeah. them, just bouncing off them. And um caught up to the guys and like the already the directions were already really bad, like of the navigation guys, whoever started their way off on some directions and then had to come across for when the arrow opened on the waypoint and I'm like I was there and I was on it because I was like just being on your roadbook all day all day so i knew it wasn't great and then won some tracks and because of the rain had happened as well it was really flat everything was there was no tracks and there was a lot mm. of tracks there but everything was like glassed over yeah and um then the lines like disappeared and i was just still following the road but well some did and then i was still on the roadbook following and then it was just come up to like a little rise and then i could see there was two other riders in front of me i think it was Walkner and Adrian Van Beveren I think and then they were just there and then I saw them started cruising around and I'm looking at the robot I'm like yeah this is all good like we just hit that the waypoint's only like I think we're 1k away from it and it was a hidden one so it doesn't open as an arrow to point you where to go so you got to magically be so how does it normally work so waypoints you can didn't you have like three or four different waypoints so there's w there's a safety waypoint which opens at 800 meter radius when you're in that radius and it'll beep at you oh so it's coming through the gps yeah at 90 at 90 or meters or something when you're there it will it will validate because that's like there'll be a danger there or something like that and um then they'll have a wpm which is like a mask waypoint which is the blue ones there same thing 800 but they don't beep and you just follow the arrow to the center of that waypoint then start from there yep. and then um so you gotta you gotta find you've, you've got nothing you've just yeah. got your road book and then once you get within 800 meters yeah like you got then your, it'll come up on the gps yeah you have a point yeah yeah you have the gps on the bars and then you got your road book and it'll say in the road book where which ones are waypoints so you yep. gotta make yep. sure you validate them which guarantees you're on the right track mm. and then when they put the hidden ones there they're normally bastards because they're really hard they can be really hard to find um and they don't show like it shows you where you validate but the other ones have arrows so it pops up on your screen um where your degrees are and it'll point you to it say all right sweet just keep going that way until it flashes green and and you're good to go but yeah this one was really close and there was no lines it was really weird and i'm like everything's good it's close here we've got to find it and then all the lines peeled off to the right and they were just way out like they were off and i was we'll just search there for like five minutes and then ended up getting onto the right track and um, hitting the waypoint. And that's just like, I can't explain the feeling. It's just like, it's just like when you save yourself from a massive car accident or something. Yeah. It's like, you just get this <laughs> like yeah. massive re- relief and you just like, everyone just chills out for you. But you're like, yes, like it's on. And then when we hit that and there's no lines in front, I could just count. So you count the tires and you're like three people in front, three lines. I'm like, no way. And I get past catch them and I'm like, there's no lines out front. Like, and I started 15th. Yeah. So I've got, we're leading the, 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 the pack out 
and I'm like, dudes have started an hour in front of me. They've lost an hour. And I'm like, first day of Dakar, like dudes have just lost all that. And I'm like, that is insane how quick that can just happen. Yeah. And was then, Toby in that group that yeah, lost all that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah he lost yeah. like an hour first. Yeah, there me. was an hour. Whoever was first, yeah, lost an, over an hour. And there was like 50, Toby's like 50 minutes because then they all come in the pack. So, because it's three minutes, each rider's three minutes apart. So like first to, you know, 15th, yeah. like heaps over an hour. So something like that. And um, yeah, when that happened, it was, yeah, it's pretty, you're leading out and you're like far out. It's massive what's just happened day one. Like a lot of the good riders, like all the Honda guys were in it. Oh, it might've been Pablo was with me. Yeah, it was like four or five of us. And yeah, it was to get to the finish line and like, all right, we're leading. But then like we had a good gap on everyone already. And then the next day I'd get lost for like 10 minutes. So you lose that gap a bit. And then yeah. the next day you lose. I lost when I got stuck on that waypoint. I missed it by like everyone all together. There was six of us riders and some validated, some didn't. <sighs> and it was just like, there's the one Petrucci won that stage. And yeah, I, he, yeah. I caught up to him and he followed me. How sick me was that? Mega. Because he was following me. Like I caught up and passed him and he just tagged on to me the whole time. And I dragged him to there. And then we got lost and then he kept going. But already we already caught in all three Yamaha riders. Like me and him were on a mission. I passed all them and with Kevin Benavides, like the winner from last year. And then Petrucci's like, Sanders just went and like around the riders and Kevin wasn't gonna pass. So he goes, I didn't want to lose Sanders. So he just went off the track, full wedge long rocks. And Kevin's like, he was just off and shorty and that like dude, he just <laughs> sent it across these rocks, caught on to me, I like cleared out through this riverbed. I looked back and it's just Petrucci there and I'm like this dude's a savage like <laughs> he's just sent it lacrosse and he would, he sat behind me in the dust the whole time wasn't scared about anything and like we pulled away from all the other riders and I'm like it's just, <laughs> I was just like dude and he got back and then he goes I'm sure he goes I followed you through that waypoint everything was the same and I was literally two to five meters off from validating it and I spent ages there chasing oh, it oh no yeah so I lost like 25 minutes that day Oh, then made up a bit of time back and then dislocated my shoulder on a dune drop. That's where Skylar crashed. Like, massive. Like, it was just a shit day. Oh, what was that crash? The one Skylar did. Yeah, that was... Um... It was just because Tobes did the same thing. He dropped off it. It was like a big bowl. Like, we went up this... There was really nice dunes. You could really jump off. Like, you didn't have to wash off much speed. So it went steep. And we went up to this one and it, it was really just steep like normal but then it like it, it cut out and then it had like a like a nice skateboard bowl face on the other side so it wasn't it wasn't just back down to the flat it had a face and you couldn't see it so it was like a step down sort of thing and yeah. I've just launched it off it I'm like I, I, and when I was up midair and I'm like alright someone's crashed here because you could see the crime scene there's <laughs> yeah. like a massive impact and then you could see the bike snaky out in the sand and then go oh, out I'm like someone has, yeah, yeah. someone has spreaded themselves here <laughs> and it's wet sand going out and so it's, it's fresh and I'm like, hot. Oh, I landed, arm um, popped out again, and then it slipped back in, and I'm like, and I smashed my face again on the everything because we've got the big navigation yeah, tower in the front yeah. of our bars. Smashed that, and um, yeah, went out, and I'm like, this, this, I'm like, oh, I gotta keep pushing. There's a car, there's a bike in front of me. I'll just keep going, 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 and catch it. And then you'll see him. He had his peak. Skylar had his peak down his pants, and I'm like, you're, he's all riding, all good. I'm like, you're all good, and he's like, yeah, he like looks like he's all good, and yeah, it was just like that. And then Tobe said he nearly sent it and a few others sent it off. It Like, it's just these drops that can just ruin you. So, um, yeah, it's it's just the wild, wild ride for 12 days. <laughs> just buckle up yeah, because you're in for it. Yeah, it is. This year was... And because I knew, like, it was... I had it was a chance of winning it this year as well. So, it was just, like, extra drive to push for it. And so, yeah. Um, 
and I was in in that in that space of of winning it as well. So I was sitting third by the time I dropped out with only like four minutes off the lead. So I was like, I was there for it. Um, so it's just waiting for that last week because that's when it sort of you know comes down to crunch time. Just get yourself there in the last few days, and you got to have some luck on your side for sure. Yeah, you just don't know. Like, it's, yeah, it, it's crazy what what that can throw at you just literally anything can happen and then mm. to have the crash that that you did i remember we were talking after it and you pretty much said that you think you would have died if you didn't have that airbag, airbag vest on yeah, 100%. how wild is that yeah when you come off because they got so we run the alpine star airbag and same as the moto gp system yep. um goes off the same algorithm sort of but they just change it a bit because it's off-road hours it would go off all the time from yep. our impact yep. so it's a little bit different and um yeah, we ha- I had that on in the morning. It was like 4 o'clock, 10, 12 k's into that day seven after our rest day. Um, just really crap lights down the street, like four-lane freeway, 130 k speed limit, both sides four lanes. And then I was in the left lane past a car, checking the road book, going, oh, yep, all right, left, oh, right up here, exiting in like a k or two. Look down, look back up at the road. And then it's that shady, like the yellow light is yeah. like seedy as you and got goggles on yeah you got goggles and and your light on your bike's just a white led and it's just flickering a bit and you can't see anything and there's no paint on the road for lines there's no signs there's sand on the road probably. yeah probably a bit of that and then it's all black anyway and then i look up and i look close and i'm like i see a freaking curb and i was like it's a two-lane u-turn on a four-lane freeway at 130 i'll sit on 120 and like every morning we gear up it's like freezing cold and it's like four four to six degrees so we've got snow gloves on like mitts so we've got four fingers on our front brake and clutch if we need to go for it so they're straight oh. four fingers on the brake full hand on the brake tucked it on the left and we've got a wind jacket on from the outside we've got a wind jacket um i had like a hoodie like a just a really thick like a puffer jacket thing like keeping extra warm and then like a pit jacket i guess and then our rally jacket we run with sleeves on had my jersey my airbag and a heated um heated like under underwear it's like a tights like a thermal thing underneath that and then a singlet as well because <laughs> i take that off before the race i had all that on so you're thick as and then you can't move obviously quick and i see this curb and it wasn't just like your little curb off the side it was a good foot off the ground yeah and yeah just i saw that grab front brake because i was like all right it's gonna slow down as much as I can before i hit it cold on the wheels obviously just grip and i just tucked the front to my left slid as soon as i hit the ground the airbag went off did it, hit, then, did it uh go off before you hit the ground no nah, it's like literally as the my arm or whatever touched the thing it went off like it's just it was like crazy it, it even could have i think it was the first impact but it was just like a slide like it's not a big hit when you hit the ground at the start like on the road it was the slide and then the impact yeah so i slid for the data was like first impact it was between 100 by the time i slowed down or whatever it's from 110 to 100 k's now i slid into the curb impacted that maxed out the g-force on the back on the jacket that it records which is 27.7 g's it's me and marquez the only ones that have reached that on when he crashed in that straight when he stepped off at a 340 whatever it was yeah and um so i hit that rolled three times it was like 27.7 g's 24 g's 16 or 15 g's and then stopped like so i rolled three times and like the bike was just way out and i stopped landed and i was just laying there it's like i was alive i was just like okay 
were alive, like winded as, and um, I just started and like I was I didn't knock myself out at all. Like I was through it the whole time because I just slid, hit the curb, and just rolled. Mm. And I just remember laying there and looking around. I was got like six Saudi dudes around me, like all blacked out, and they're like talking in their language. And I'm just like, once I get my breath back and start breathing, and I'm like talking to them, like get me up, get me up. Like no, no, stay down. We get an ambulance. I'm like no, 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 get me up. And one of them got got me up after like a minute because I was the first rider out that morning. Sam was the second rider, Sunderland. So he was going to be like about two minutes by the time I got up behind me. And I started walking over to the bike to, to see how it was. I started moving my elbow. I'm like, oh, sore. I can walk. Like I got Because I, I impacted my whole left side. So I thought my femur was broken when I was laying there because it was like, all right, there it is. The old... Uh, the old femur trick for a Dakar rally rider. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's broken a femur. I'm like, all right, there it is. Done <laughs> it. Got it out of the way. Yeah, it's, it's done now. And I'm like, nah. I'm like, all right, get me up walking. Like I was wiggling and moving. I'm like, all right, it's working. Everything's doing the shake and bake. We're good. Got up, started walking. I'm like, all right, we're walking over to the bike and I just see the front wheels like a square or a triangle from hitting the thing. I'm like, oh, that's not good. And then I started moving my elbow a bit. I'm like, oh, that's, that's sore. And then looked at the bike. I'm like, there's no way I told him I got the dudes to pick up my bike for me and I went to get on the bike and I'm like nah not happening and I'm like alright everyone was leaving the pits that morning as well from the team so they'll so the come team on the road be behind you. yeah went out onto the road and then I'm pretty sure my GPS alarm system would have gone up and gone off anyway because when you stop when there's a sudden stop it'll it'll sense something and anyway I saw Sam went past I missed him because he's like <laughs> and the funny thing was Sam went past and he got to the start, so he didn't know anything that happened. So he did the whole 200Ks that morning, didn't know where I was. And he got to the start, he goes, oh, Sam's not. He's just taking a, taking a leak or something, dumping it off. Yeah. Gets, the next person comes through. And he's like, oh, where's Sam? Like, they said to Sam, like, Sam has crashed. And he's like, dude, I thought it was like one of those um, Deliveroo scooter drivers just crash all the time <laughs> on the side of the road. Because <laughs> he just saw shit spread everywhere. And it was just like, and then he's like, oh, I just thought it was one of the dudes because heaps of dudes around and he's just kept cruising. But I was like, and then I walked over to the road and I stopped walking her and he was the next dude. And he's like, what's happening? And I'm like, dude, Matt, I crashed. He goes, and he's like, what's on my elbow? I think I go, I'm like, <laughs> I said to walk and I'm like, uh, walk now. You think I'm fucked? I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, Sanders, I think you're, I think is, I think you're fucked. You're done. <laughs> your, your race is over. And I'm like, shit. Oh. And I'm like, and then from then on, like, cause I was, I could feel my elbow. Like I put my hand on my elbow and you could just feel everything rattling around, just crunching. You're like, oh. there's floating around there. And he's like, yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And, it's just, and then you just start sitting there. Like, and then the team ended up coming. I'm just laying there. just like everything you've done for the last, I left in May that year for that one race. And it's like, you train, and then like the last three months, like I had fun in America and that like road, I trained motocross flat out and then had fun. And then I was like, all right, I, I was dry from Austin, didn't drink one drop of alcohol from Austin MotoGP to after Dakar. And I was like, all right, it's on like. Just game yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, everything's on. And then even after Abu Dhabi, walking or anyone like in the teams, like have a beer, have a beer. I was like, no, not drinking one sip. Didn't have one drop. And I'm like, when I'm on, it's it's a hundred percent in. I said to the boys in America, like that last night went out drinking with them. I'm like, from tomorrow on, I'm not touched. Like I said to him that it was like Truman and Jeremy. I was like, from here, I said to him, I'm not, I'm not touching one freaking drop of alcohol till after Dak. And I'm going to win that, win that freaking race. And yeah. they're like, right. I would believe it. Da, da, da. I was like, you watch. And I was just 
just went bulldog and just made it happen and and everything was there in place for it and i did everything i could i had everything lined up and just left it all there on a gutter in in saudi and um gonna wait another year for it so yeah it was a bit bit crap just laying there i couldn't believe it happened like first thing was like because parents always follow the race and i got i just had a group message to send like a voice message every day because you're just knackered you can't respond to everyone and he's like all right just group message in the morning i was like all right i'm out of the race i've crashed hit a curb in the morning it's four o'clock i'm on the way to hospital my elbow's done uh, i'm alive everything's good i'll talk to you later and then yeah i had ruptured kidneys i was like nearly having to have a kidney surgery like it was i was pissing blood flat out and yeah it wasn't i wasn't in a good way in there so four days in there wasn't wasn't great and they didn't have really strong painkillers either so it sort of sucked really yeah yeah so. no yeah because I, I yeah i just remember getting like we were messaging back and forth and you were just saying like i because you hear like broken elbow and then you're like oh okay sweet he got out of it all right but then to know that you did it like with the airbag and that you put yeah like, that many g's through it like yeah mm. it you're just super lucky to oh, be alive my ribs, like, for you to know that you would have like you i would have died i had two cracked ribs as well but even the internal bleed and the damage inside if i didn't have that bag on everything like i would have had i would everything would have been collapsed like i would have been fighting for my life like it would have been nuts like i probably wouldn't be here today and it's just like insane how something like that can happen and that's just like oh you only need to focus for you know your stage but it's just like dude next year i'm gonna be like smashing bloody five cans of red bulls before i even start the stage the yeah, day like i'll be on. out of bed i'm like i ain't blinking today <laughs> nothing nothing's gonna nothing's gonna sneak up on me yeah, today no way i was just like toothpicks up in the eyelids like nothing's <laughs> getting me so yeah it's just something like that like it wasn't even it wasn't it didn't do anything stupid like in the stage like i didn't push too hard and do something like that and it, that's probably why I'm, I'm so relaxed about it because it's like i didn't really do anything wrong Mm. and everything was so in line for me to have a shot at winning it and hitting the podium and just wasn't this year so anyway and then surgery didn't go good there the first one and um i sent all my scans back to the dudes back here and then it wasn't wasn't looking good they threw a bit of bone out in the elbow so i had to fly up to brizzy and and, uh i was pretty much got back (laughs) so i had the surgery there and then pretty much before we flew out from saudi from the race i got on the phone to the to me mate timmy cole down in melbourne and he already showed their scans and x-rays to the melbourne doc and then the surgeon down there was like nah like the pins aren't right there's a bit of bone missing there's a massive hole there like it's not looking good i'm like oh i'm pretty sure we're all good and like it was a good surgeon we had like we had a team doc with us and then we were two other dudes there and like i was like oh i said to him like you need to do a good job before it all happens like yeah, yeah we're all good i'm like oh that's sweet and then after it like i questioned him about, like yeah it was really difficult surgery and i was just like well i thought it was pretty straightforward and then that's happened and then now like i found out it was more of a mess if i left it how it was i wouldn't be riding for another year really? i'd be lucky to be racing like the surgeon reckons like if i left it how it was i would be screwed for all year shout out to steve eh? yeah old steve andrews sorted me out breezy he's, he's the man so yeah i flew up i was home because there's no quarantine i snuck the system somehow i was like i flew into melbourne and then you still have to do 12 days quarantine in in brizzy that time or 10 days at home or something like that so i flew into melbourne and tobes ended up jumping on the same flight because then mm. he could hack the system yeah so he flew into melbourne stayed did our 
rapid test negative 24 hours or whatever and then you could leave so then i flew up the next day so i was home for a day not even 24 hours and i flew straight back up from eight months away from seas just home for a day straight up to surgery for like a week and then yeah steve hooked me up i just walked straight in and and got it all done there had all medical um certificates or um approvals to go in and get it done so it was all yeah. sweet because they didn't have elective surgery down there and obviously steve's a god at elbows yeah. and upper limbs so i was just like i'm seeing the best dude yeah and we did scans on the elbow like because my shoulder on the left was buggered as well and yeah he did scans on that and he goes dude we need to get in that elbow and open it up again and, and put bone back in i was like what do you mean he's like there's a bit there's a fair bit missing and it's all smashed up so i was like three hour surgery on the elbow just to get it back to where it is and like to be able to bend it where it is now like dudes can't even do that after like a little thing like he, he's by far everyone says he's the best elbow yeah. dude in australia i'm like all right because a few dudes have been there and got their elbows fixed and i'm like right and like you see some people who can't full extend and i'm like i'm not having that like there's no way i'm yeah and people are like oh you won't get it back and i'm like dude i've still got four pins in and it's freaking straight like it's close yeah and i'm like and when i saw him today he's like yeah really happy with how it's working bones healed up like did the bone graft on the hip everything's good good range and yeah we're on track it's just a long like it's it's been three, three and a half months now since that's happened. Well, you've been up here, what, three Yeah, three, three times, times now. Yeah. Back up another two weeks. Got to get the pins out, so. <laughs> and then another, so four more weeks till I should be riding. But I've ridden a couple of times, but shouldn't be on a moto track or any bumps at the moment. Just yeah. literally on the rally bike, riding grass track, nothing where the shock was, the, either the elbow will snap or, yeah. or the shoulder will probably pop out. So I just need, I've lost so much muscle on it. Yeah. So from the race, I was 89 kilos at the race. And then now I'm 81. Yeah, just like it's a big difference. Just, oh, it's insane how much how much muscle you lose. It's from the first few weeks. Like you just see, it just drop off your arm, it just disappears. Mm. And just the whole body, sort of how strong and fit I was for the race. It wasn't like enduro or motocross fitness. It's like where you leaned out a bit. And you don't yeah, need you, you don't need the be fat. Bulky yeah, and you want to be. Dude, the last month was the best. It's like all right, it's Dakar time. Just start smashing the body. Just eating heaps for Christmas in Dubai and just feed and there's good food there and and good people so just had some big chrissy chrissy lunches and dinners and and um stocked up and it was like yeah 88 89 going in but was fit i was still running like good 10ks and cycling heaps during the week and riding heap and i knew i was fit strong yeah i was like perfect body for it and then yeah i jumped on the scales like only a couple of weeks ago i was like 81 i was like dude i've just raked it out <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think that you could be a athlete and just be so like hyper controlled and hyper sensitive to all of the things you're putting in your body and everything that you're doing. You're just doing everything right. Then you break your fucking elbow in Saudi Arabia and some dude just does a hack job and like you're asleep. You got no control. Yeah. You just complete like your career is in literally yeah. in someone else's hands. It's it just was. such a nightmare. Yeah. No, it was really scary once that happens. And, and like obviously some people have dealt with it overseas as well, like getting operated on without them even knowing. Yeah. yeah. The femur in the sketch hospital ever and literally then, the sketchiest yeah, hospital dogs around licking your toes oh. <laughs> and then like that and it's just like that's where i was like i said don't like we need to have a really good like program for everyone like anyone who's injured overseas it's like all right if you're knocked out this is the person you call and you can 100 percent trust them they're going to answer and then they'll set it, sort out all your medical stuff yeah you won't get operated on overseas like especially if it's in south america oh. or something like that if it's really bad then okay but i don't want any limb surgeries or anything done other than back home in oz yeah 
so that's where it's really important because your career's in the line if someone goes in there and throws a bit of bone out and yeah. screws up your surgery like I was lucky I got on to it within a week of it happening or two weeks mm. so yeah it's just yeah massive shout out to old Steve out there yeah. and, and Sal and that whole Brisbane private hospital they really sought me out so if Moto riders injured and then bad if you got a dodgy elbow yeah. go see Steve he'll Dr. straighten Steve it out Andrews yeah. will get you done yeah. I actually want to get him on the podcast yeah I think he be... was talking about it today he, oh, wants to, really? he wants to come down he's like oh next couple of weeks he wanted to go in and jump in like Toby and me and yeah talk. Like, you should just get all your old patients in and like have a 10 minute little segment with each one we what should they did. do that hey eh? we should get yeah. get four of his in there because I think Maddie like mentioned it to him when Maddie did it because yeah. um he operated on Maddie's shoulder like man he's just because it's crazy when you're an athlete you need someone that cares yeah because most of the time you're getting people in the hospital that they're trying to deter you from doing it again yeah yeah like oh have you learnt your lesson yeah yeah and you're like bro I get paid a million bucks to do this like I kind of have to do it you wanker yeah yeah so keep you in a job yeah it's like I need your help eh like you're literally a mechanic right now like my body is my is my vehicle like I need you to fucking work on this thing for me yeah so sketchy it is, it is. I'm sure he's it. got he would have some wicked stuff to say like because he was working with race safe he's a moto fan he follows a race everything yeah. that's a funny thing when he knew it crashed and when I knew he knew I crashed and what it was he's like waiting for that phone call like, I'd never met him and then like just through mutuals and like yeah. rang up and like dude you're flying up you know you ring Sal now and you'll you'll be flying up when you get back she's like when can you get there I was like as soon as I'm back I'm there I'm like whenever and she's like alright get up here and we'll fit you in it's so scans good scans and then straight in the hospital I was like right <laughs> he, he's operated on everyone yeah like literally yeah. everyone in Australia that yeah. rides a moto yeah that, at, at that high level it's insane yeah. yeah and that's why everyone's still in the job I guess and still racing what so what was the experience like of that airbag going off and like to know I guess like how do you know like could you feel what it did oh, yeah. for you like yeah, because that would be a crazy feeling it's a it's a crack like a, a shot goes off <laughs> it's like because it's just you see like your your air can- canisters yeah. like for pushies but really big ones yeah and just throws it and it's just like it's like an air like, like your car airbag it's just whack and it's just a really tight fit and it, it like slaps you and then you just got a pillow around you pretty much so you can ragdoll through anything and then hit anything like a concrete curb and and just you know absorb a lot and protect your body and all your organs keeps everything you know tight intact because mm. it goes down down to pretty much your bottom of your elbow like a bag goes down down your biceps and then you got a big you got a chest one and then you got a back one and then shoulder so you can't wear a neck brace with them either nah, it, they come up quite high too yeah they blow up i've had uh, i've got one for the my road bike so when I did Philip, when I did the Philip Island ride day, I yeah. called uh, SJ and, yeah, yeah. and Scotty, and I was like, "Boys, I want a fucking airbag. Like, I, <laughs> it's going down, boys. I am not good at this at all. Like, I actually, I don't want to go out on track yeah. without one of them. And uh, and yeah, so they fitted me up for one, and um, and then they got like the test one there, so like yeah, it, yeah. it blew up, so yeah. I could actually feel it. But it's slow to blow up. It's not like the pop, like yeah, the, okay. the big one. But um, dude, mentally, like I felt way better. There was actually one session where I fucked up the Bluetooth and it, it didn't turn on. All right, and it was like weighing on my mind, eh? Because I'm like, dude, when you've to have it there, and then to not have it, almost just seems like it doesn't make sense to ride. You're like, like w- w- <laughs> wait, yeah. what? I got, I got it without it. No, I think I'll just keep it on. I'd, I'd like someone asked me about racing thinking. I was like, I'd be definitely oh, pre running for think. Yeah, I'd be pre running in it for think or, and racing probably with it. Mm. Like it's 
when you have it on it's, it's, it'd be like riding without a helmet it's just like you ride yeah. without a helmet you take it off you're like oh I don't want to hit anything or boots or knee braces anything like that like it's just once you have it on even riding motocross after it you like it's hot obviously but when you're in the high speed racing like desert, like Fink or Dakar high speeds it's actually really good vented warm, and, yeah. and it's warm but then because you, you've got so much airflow going through you at the speed you're not sweating it's not intense like that so you're not you're not getting hot and sweaty so it's um it actually works really well did it feel restrictive for you not really because i've always sort of ran armor like yeah. like just like bicep protectors and then like um shoulder pads shoulder shoulder yeah. all on the chest bit like and then i've always run like a kidney belt as well so um yeah it, it sort of wasn't anything extra other than the elbow guards so yeah yeah other than that and then did you have a, elbow, an elbow guard on when you crashed? yeah that ripped straight off really yeah like yeah, it hit right. and then it's yeah it tore all stitching apart everything so it copped it really bad yeah mm. yeah because i'm gonna i think i'm getting one of the airbags for think like the off-road yeah. one because yeah after having it at phillip island just like dude yeah. there's no chance i'm like legit scared to yeah. do think like it doesn't feel like i'm not i'm not frothing on it <laughs> it's just i'd be, I'd be keen for it well that's because you're yeah, fucking yeah. good motor you're a good motor rider bro i'm a squid <laughs> i'd ri- i'd like to wear it out at um parties the airbags yeah <laughs> on a big on a big weekend it'd be sick how many g's you reckon you could pull, pull. <laughs> oh, don't know you'd have to test it out <laughs> Oh, we have to get Jet to pull, push me and see how many G's he can push. push yeah, out. yeah. Imagine if you had it on for the table. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably would have blown out. It'll, it'll surely be standard though. Like for, you know, obviously like all the Dakar stuff, you boys. Are, yeah, it is. Everyone, all riders have everyone, to wear it. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd surely think for Fink and stuff like that. Yeah, like I feel extremely lucky that that's something that mm. is a is an option. I think I think they'll go into it. It's just like, because it's so new and they're still, yeah. we're still developing it. Now we've got it this year, like really good. And it's just like, you know, we ride the new bikes and then it'll come out the next year. So it's just when it comes in and then hopefully they have the stock, but then the recharges for it. It's so easy. Like you can change it in a couple of minutes. You just literally take, by the time you get it all off, any, well, even someone can just change it on your back. You just undo a zipper and, yeah, then, and, then, and you, it's just a clip. Yeah, and screw it off and screw a new one back on. And there's yeah. two shots in it. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and surely they'll be standard. Yeah. Like, for, yeah. To, oh, that's what, after I rode with it at Phillip Island, I was like, boys, what have I got to do to get yeah. one of these bad boys for things? Oh, for even road riding, I would I'd run it. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. Yes, it definitely does. So when, when do you head back over, like, what's the campaign look like for t- the 2023 thing? Or oh, 23, I don't know. Well, wait, what do you call it? Would it be the 2022 thing? Or that's this it, year. So that's what went. So now it's wait. I'm, I get, We're twenty two now. Yeah. So <laughs> is this next thing that you're going to do the twenty twenty two? Three will be the next one if I do. Yeah, it. that's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I do that, hundred percent. What do you mean? If well, if I'm allowed. What do you mean? If it doesn't clash with anything. Oh, so I meant Dakar. Sorry. Dakar. <laughs> Fuck, I've got think on my brain. So yeah. So what is the? So what does it look like for you to do the uh, twenty three Dakar? Get back on the bike soon. Um, yeah another four weeks you don't want to do the nine months away like you don't want to do that again this time no I don't have to I, I, I can oh, fly home of, yeah because of the I can co- fly home now, that's, so, so that's the only yeah, reason why you're doing it yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would have liked to but to come back at the end but you, yeah, your mind changes sense. from testing the bike doing some races and it's like it's literally when I was in America I was in I was in a bad spot that's why I was like 
training and partying because I had no drive. Yeah. Because I said to the guys, I'm like, they won't let me race. I wanted to race an AMA motocross. I'm like, I'm there. I've got my speeds there. I got the skill to do it. They're like, yeah, but you're an old enduro rider. Like, I was yeah. all that. I'm like, but I raced motocross back home. Like, I can ride a freaking motocross bike. I'm like, here's some times to the guys I'm riding with. Yeah. And I'm like, said to them, like, I'll go top 15, top 20, top 10 at the end of the national series in America. I said to them, I would have gone top 10. Like, I just said, I like, I would do it, but they won't, they won't believe me. And I'm like, I'm put, I would bust my balls the whole time I was 83. And like, and that's the thing, I had that opportunity to train there with those dudes. And I put in, they saw how much work I put in. I was up at every morning working on my bike. I didn't have a practice mechanic there like those princesses do. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, I was up working on the bike in the morning and or or even on the track in it really yeah, that doing morning. Heaps of track work yeah, and, and then too, like though. I'd I'd ride with the guys at nine thirty, ten o'clock whenever they were out and ride to like one or two and then wash my bike and then go work on the track until night and then Taco Tuesday go send it with Bogle down <laughs> smashing margaritas and then ended up at happy days and it was good times and end up back at the house at nine, ten o'clock, wake up and do it all again. That's so it sick. It was mega. So I was just earning me beers for the for the weekend. It it would have been so sick to just be there in that environment with the boys in the grind because that's that's sort of it's almost like motocross is such an individual sport but it's almost like in those environments at the right compound like that's obviously why cooper left alden so he wanted to be in that vibe you know it's sort of like a footy team in a way like everyone gets there you've all got yeah. to do your work there's a pecking order of like who's going fastest yeah. and who's doing what and uh yeah you just get in and just the group of just fucking savages throwing down every day yeah and, that, and that's the thing i was like because i sort of could have gone to a few different different tracks i guess like because jh and it's got the connections all over there he's like oh well, you can go to sandbox what sandbox and motor, yeah, whatever. Yeah, sandbox. and then i could have gone to alden's as well maybe through kdm or um and then, or I could have gone maybe to the goat farm a couple of days, but you know, Yamaha just took over that. So it was a bit, you yeah. know, however. And, um, and then he's like, yeah, up in the right place. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and then Truman, uh, oh, he's like, go down there. You have a mad time. Cause obviously both Jet and Hunter, I met them. I met Daz at, um, a couple of nationals, uh, no nations when I was there and, um, hadn't met the boys yet or anything. And I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm just like, I still just put myself back in like, I'm just an enduro dude or just a kid. And it's just like, you're with these bigger names and and all that and it's like you don't know what the vibes are going to be like or anything like you look at coop and obviously you look at coop on the on the on the tv and he's just like a just yeah, yeah tunnel vision dude and then and you get to know like you know sort of all the backgrounds you get to know bogle and he's a he's a savage savage and mad dog and a pretty funny dude and then savachi as well like he's he's good to have a have a good have a good um time with and then talk smack it's just good like you didn't know that the the atmosphere there and i sort of come in there and i was just like sort of you scope everyone out you're like because you you're gearing up next to coop and and bogle and and um joey and um then it's just like you're like you're looking at these dudes you're like i gotta gear up and go right of them it look like a squid and the first couple of days i just had a stock stock bike and then they rode and then they went off to the race and then i stayed and, and rode with um Benny Griffith, who's um, yeah, yeah, who's spannering for um Anderson. He's um, he was there, so I stayed with him the first week. He's also the man. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Benny's the biggest. So legend. then I was with him, and then um, he I had was, something to say at me. Jet posted that. Yeah, yeah, that's who. That's who, <laughs> who, 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 who bit back at me, and I was like, uh, I, and then I looked into it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he loves it. Benny has a good crack on um, Instagram. I like uh, it. Um, and then 
Yeah, so I was with them and we rode like it just started raining because Florida floods with rain, yeah. and I was just like, pisses down. You know what? I'm just gonna go ride because I'm here. I'm riding, and the boys are like, Nah, Benny, I got me roll offs out. No one run roll runs roll offs, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go do me moto. And Benny's just sitting there, he starts feeling, he goes, if anyone knows Chucky, like, because obviously he's got the American fan, like, the people that follow him as well, and then Australian, he goes, anyone knows this guy, you know what he's about to do, and I'm just <laughs> walking out, and it's just torrential rain, and he's going to go do his 30-minute moto, or 20-minute moto, and I'm like, yup, you bet ya. went out there, and I just smashing puddles and they ended it stopped raining the last five ten minutes and burner went out and, and austin and a few other boys and they're just like just into it and i'm like i'm like well you gotta ride you gotta ride like it doesn't matter like i'm not but waiting for the track to get yeah. i'm not i'm that's where like a lot of guys don't go out unless the track's pristine like mm. i know at alden's the dudes never have a rough track it's prepared every morning like dude preps everything every day and then like at 83 that's where they like everyone's sort of been everywhere and they know where what's good and they've got their track dudes as well, but they'll just go fix a corner once a, every day or whatever needs to blown out. And they leave the track rough to train on. And um, that's that's the best thing. And then they've got the turn track, and then now everyone's like got a turn track from one wet day on Supercross. They like, couldn't ride, so they just went out in the grass and made a grass track. Yeah. And, um, yeah, all, all that sort of thing. And they just got a mad group, good vibes, just shit talk is the best yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah, Because Coops is savage, He was bro. the first day I was out there, like, because I just come off that COVID and I was there, I didn't want to give it to him. And then they were there and he just come back from COVID as well or whatever. And he was like cooking himself and he was just ripping one of the private, like one of the, um, the up and coming amateur kids there. And he's just like, get him off the track, like ripping as he's riding around doing his moto, like, cause he's blowing out lines or something. And I'm there with the mechanics, like, cause Bernal was working with him in Austin. I'm like, he's always like that. Like, I know he's aggressive, but I don't even want to go out there for my own. Oh, and yeah. I'm, I'm sitting under this, under the smoke oak tree, the Miller's tree there. And um, I'm like 160 heart rate. Like I was still recovering from the, the COVID and I was cooked. Like I was sitting there in the, the humidity, 35 degrees. I'm having a heart attack. And I'm like, I, was, I went out and did like 10 minutes. I was done. The first the first couple of days, I could only do 10 minutes in that heat, like two, three 10-minute motos. That was yeah, it. it's pretty gnarly. But like behind them, and I was doing like two minutes, 18 lap time. They were like 204s. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I haven't rode a moto, motocross bike for a few months, but I'm like far out. This knocked me around. And then like, <laughs> I get closer and closer to them. But then I was like, all right, I just got to ride in the mud. And then, yeah, we had a good, I think the first week when I got to sort of like break in with everyone and when we went out for one Friday night, and the first night I've ever blacked out ever. <laughs> first night I ever blacked out. Um, I was at Benny. We went out with Benny in, this is in Claremont, and we went out with Benny in Austin, and then we went out to some, and um, um, Cody as well was Bogle's mechanic then. And then, um, yeah, we just went out, and I don't know who else was there. And then Benny just rolled up late, and he just had tequila, and he's like, I was like, I can't do tequila. And he's like, you got to do it. You're an American now. Da, da, da. I was like, all right, that. And from then on, I was just black. Oh. <laughs> I just don't remember. I woke up the next morning. It was wicked. And then the boys, because I was just running the muck that whole night, and they just went to the track the next day, and the guys, this Chucky dude. He's just, in. He's in. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's one of the boys now. So I was like, all right. And then just started from there. It was wicked. Everyone was just running the muck and having fun. And whenever I was there, like, I'm just amped up on energy. Like, I'm just smash yeah, your kid in the candy store yeah and like all day like i don't stop they're like dude do you ever stop I'm like no 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 we're going we're going we're going <laughs> like just keep riding doing something and um yeah well i didn't have a home to go to or anything so they got to go back to like their missus or family if they had and and um i was just like just chilling at the at the shack there or going back with austin just driving in to work with him every day when he had to work on coop stuff so that was good and then um 
Yeah. Went shooting there. They had gun, like, because you can have whatever guns there. So we just had all the autos out. It was sick. (laughs) Just smoking stuff there. They got the go-kart track. We didn't do anything on, but I don't know. It was just mega, just working around there. It's just a really cool thing. And the compounds there, like that facility is like, if only they had that here in Australia, like that might, like that's the thing. If they had the money behind the sport here, like like they do in America, and like to find that area and all that, like Florida is really good. That's where they're always always based there. You could do it, but in Cairns, it's like mm. to have that humidity there and that soil. If they got that sands and sand and all that there and that weather, but it's like to ride all year round somewhere good and then have that same base. Like you go to Sydney, but there's not that dirt. There's not that. Yeah, you know, it's going to be really expensive around there. Then the fans, you could one hundred percent do it. Yeah, have you ridden up there? No, nah, I've been it, up there since like four. <laughs> really, nah. man, we we should all go do a trip yeah. up there. It's so yeah. sick. Like, man, Jackson Richardson had the spot. Like, before. yeah, I've seen oh, his track and stuff. Yeah, it was so like we when we grew up, we basically Tuesday and Thursday nights we'd come home from school, load up the trailer. We only lived a couple minutes yeah. from him. And then we'd ride all night because it was too hot to ride through the yeah. day. So we had like an arena cross track under lights. So yeah, yeah it was like me, Todd, um, Matt Hunter, Wade Hunter, yeah. uh, Mitch Evans, Richie Evans. Like that yeah. that was the that crew. Was like, so that was like our version of, of that shit, you know. And like it, there was a like a flat track that was cut in and um, like a speedway oval. So yeah. like one night you'd rock up and there'd be a fucking random Jawa there and like everyone's just like, like on this on this Jawa <laughs> thing and then you'd ride the, the stadium track and then behind the stadium track was just cane fields. And then yeah. as soon as they harvested the cane, you'd rock up after school plowed in and then there'd grassy. be just cones all yeah. over this all Weird. over this track and it'd be f- plowed in just the most primed mm. dirt like yeah. yeah it was crazy and we were just in like you do every motor you do a set of goggles for sweat like you ha- you couldn't ride two motors yeah, yeah. with it with it's the like same Florida. set of you goggles you come back yeah. you change a full set of clothes yeah yeah so that's that's exactly what yeah. what Kansas is like and I, I went up there a couple years ago after Rocky not last this last one the one before we rode and i was just like fuck i didn't i actually didn't even know what cold weather was until i moved to melbourne i just (laughs) i didn't even think about it being hot when i was a kid when i grew up hot wasn't even a thing it was just that was the only option yeah as soon as i went to melbourne i was like how the fuck did we do this and then i moved back there i was like wow this is this is not normal but kansas is a place you could do that yeah well i pretty much lived eight months in summer yeah. Last year, he went straight from end of start of winter here, went over and it's just summer, summer, summer all the way through. But, um, yeah, that just I think that facility, and you can see now like why the results are so good with those like Jet and Hunter there. And then when Coop was there as well, and except for he got, just got dragged back to um Eldon's, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like just that group, and they all in that same building down the bottom. There's two workshops there, and and um. Yeah, they just had a sick crew down there. It's just fun. You just walk in. It's just like, what's up, pussies? <laughs> you just like starting. Like, I just ran from every morning. And then I'd be like to Coop every morning. I'm like, I'm going to kick your ass this one, mate. Like, I was, we were doing laps around that turn track. And I was off one handed flicking him the bird. <laughs> just like, because we were just doing like time and oh, I don't know how we're doing it. But it's just like, if you lap me, it's just like, i got to do an extra 10, 20 minutes or something like that. I was just like, just playing games with him. But it's just like, we just doing motos, but just making it fun and like yeah, doing the I, work, I, but I knew, making the yeah, work fun. I was just because I know he gets him gets him angry, so I was Austin was like, nah, just keep giving it to him. I'm like, yeah, but you, you come across him as like that, but you give it to him and like he comes back and he bites. He's really yeah. he's so good to play with and he's a good dude. So and then Jet just 
comes in just like a clown and I was like yeah that's what I mean Jet just got on really good just both just stupid as each other <laughs> he's just like he's just like dumb and dumber a bit there like and then that's where he saw it in Austin he's like dude when you come back I'm like you gotta focus on your championship like, yeah like I don't like, think I'll be we there. can be around yeah yeah <laughs> like, can't be I, like I'll be there with like training that but he just knows like if we just off doing shit it's just gonna be this mental where Hunter's just like Hunter yeah he's he's good too but he's just like a bit more chilled out yeah. more calm like completely opposite kind of thing but both just both smart asses both good and then you got Lucas there as well and he's just funny as best yeah. weekend ever that one it was so sick yeah I was definitely jealous of that and then they just had MotoGP again and yeah. it was that same crew I was yeah. just like fuck yeah. I'm just hopefully next year I'll be back yeah it, I reckon it was good when they had it in September because everyone was in their off season so everyone, everyone come in even Marv yeah. come in as well so yeah you go down the street and half of them were moto dudes yeah it was wicked it's a cool town yeah it's such a cool town I'm pretty keen to get back for it mm. mate we just did three hours. Is that three on the door, mate? Yeah. Goes, goes, not bad. Goes quick, eh? It does. What else do we got to talk about? Anything else? Well, I don't Just get back to for next year, really. I guess. We've got a few more weeks off and then into riding and then I don't know what I've got on. I really want to do a national, like an AMA national, but I don't think I'm going to be ready this year for it because yeah. I want to do the last round at Fox that of the motocross is there at Fox Raceway. So. Well, you pretty much set the lap record there on the, uh, the on rally the bike, bike. Dude, okay. that was insane. They frocked that. I was full tanks, like because we had it all prepped up. You were sending it, and I was really pissed because, like, in America, I was there training. I wanted to race that last last two rounds or something. I wanted to race because um, with Gas Gas, they had Sipe, like Ryan Sipes was over there and doing all the stuff for Red Bull and Gas Gas like perfect like he does six days GCCs motocross I'm like I'm not doing it supercross you can have that but any other flat track stuff I'll go jump in and do it and um because I was like new to America no one like sort of knew my name or anything like from enduro stuff yeah they knew but like in the motocross scene and that they didn't really and um like even just like with the Gas Gas team or anything like that and support from KDM over there um, so I was like, oh, I really wanted to do it. And then they just kept shutting it down saying, no, no, no. I'm like, why not? Like, it, I can go racing. Race, I couldn't yeah. even race last year in Australia. I wanted to do the first round of the AORC. I wanted to do the first rounds of the MX when I was back. And like, no, you can't do it. I'm like, why? I'm like, you don't have factory support or I'm like, what is it? All right, send it. Yeah. Let's, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm paid to race. I'm racing. Like, let's, I'm, I'm keen to race. I'm, I'm, I don't want to, um, just sit around and do nothing like rallies you only have to do five races a year kind of thing and, and yeah. all the testing and it's busy but it's like i still need to do my motocross and enduro training racing mm. to stay on top i'm only as good as i am under dirt bike because, because of this did that, yeah. yeah and now yeah. that's like going away and that's why in america i was like all right just grinding motocross and i'm like all right i gotta put a goal that's the move i'm goal i'm goal driven so yeah, i've got to have yeah. something in front of me like yeah you got dak i'm like dude that's six months away yeah like yeah, yeah. that's ages i need something to train for every day now it's like yeah. all right in one month i gotta be it ready changes for this. everything eh? yeah as soon as you got a little bit of accountability man yeah and that's and that's what i, I got to i was just like well what am i training for there i was so angry they wouldn't let me do anything like i couldn't i was like well i'm just gonna train the house down and earn my beer, earn my drinks and have fun and enjoy it and like yeah. i still trained train my ass off and everyone saw it at the track like when i was at the track there riding i was out there doing it all with my own bat like mechanic and working on the track and doing the motos same motos if not more than those guys there and um and then i got to the race and i'm like and they're like oh you can ride around on the rally bike and i was just like 
you've just you've just fed the dog the bone right here boys like i'm <laughs> gonna send it like <laughs> I, I got there and i'm like walking this jamie up because i was like they're like what are you gonna do it's like well they're not letting me race we get one lap on the rally bike not even a sight lap i've never ridden around this track before it's reversed fresh track it's already been ripped and we put like a knobby tire on walking like you need a knobby tire because we run the the, the um desert tires it's like no knob and i'm like if you can get a knobby tire for that 18 we'll get it found one out of the back of a truck put it on and i was g'd up like tobes and sunderland and and um, um benavides brothers they're like santa's actually gonna send it to walk and I'm like they're like asking he's like, is he actually gonna do it and he's like he goes you have no idea how angry he is and how much he's gonna just send every jump and like i said like like i've never gone to a motocross track ever and jumped everything on the first lap like there's big doubles and tabletops and that and like they did an interview of like each rider going on before and they're like on the on the stand i was like they're like yeah i was like just watch this because i'm gonna go full send on everything and and no shit i I just jumped all these jumps like i had full tank of fuel so i had 30 liters in my bike and it was just bottoming out everywhere on the first rhythm section after the tabletop and i'm like i'm in for a hell of a ride i've just talked this up i've got to do it and walking is like he was they were on the podium doing an interview and he was just up watching the big screen like watching me riff around like everyone all the focus just went to me because i was like i'm just gonna send it because everyone else was just rolling it and i'm like well they wouldn't let me race and i've just done the sketchiest thing ever and sent a rally bike around a motocross track i've never seen before judged all the jumps perfectly and then they just watered because before the first motos as well so it was like the parade lap and then i've come down one of the hills and where the fox tent was it was like a it was like a step down but it was like a it was a roller and you land into like a face of one so the dudes but they just watered it and i was like oh i've sent it off the top a bit too much cased out on it and then i've slid off the side of the track like just saved it going down i went off outside the berm fist pumped the crowd and they're like yeah yeah and i'm po- i pointed up to the it was a big fox up where the the um the all the food stand was like where all the all the dudes all the workers were up there and i already told them because i was up there i was like when I come around, I'm going to send this this sky launcher jump to flat. <laughs> so I've just jammed up the crowd, clicked another gear, and just gone up this hill and just sent it up, just bone, <laughs> bone around it. And they're like, it's insane. And then, like, all the boys that were at the convent, like, Savachi and Bo were like, you send that? I was like, yeah. And they got all the footage and everything. And, like, dude, that was insane. And after that, oh, my heart rate was so high. <laughs> That's probably one of the best things I've ever done was just send that. And then, like, the amount of people just blew their mind to walk through the pits, and everyone's like, that was insane what you just did. <laughs> I was like, but no one knew like the actual details behind it. Like never been on the track, full tank of fuel, rally bike suspension around that. And it's just like, I just pulled that off and I was just like, whatever. Like that's as good as racing anyway. That's like, so sick. I would love to race it. Have you got, there's footage of it on your Instagram. Yeah. Eh? Go, go on to, go on to his Instagram. Just, I just got to see it. Eh? The sound of it. And I had like, Jeremy was texting me. Who was someone Yeah, because I just got my helmet that yeah, day off. Yeah, yeah, you just too, got your helmet. Jet, Jet gave it. And um, yeah, it was funny as. Yeah, go, there's there's some footage Scroll on there. down. Won't be too far. It's not too free. You've done fuck all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done nothing. <laughs> there's me Superman, Supercross Crash. Uh, no, whereas, is it up? Yeah, it must be up. Yeah, maybe I've down. got it on... Um, maybe it was just a story I put up. No, I was sure that you put it up. No, it must have been a story. Oh my god, my Instagram's so bad. <laughs> what are you doing, mate? I need to do more send send videos. That's why. Oh man, I wish I saw that. Yeah, it's on. It's in my story somewhere. Oh, that's so. But good. anyway, might, that might need a repost. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> but yeah, that was one of the highlights. So I really want to do. It's just something in my career I want to do. Like I've done the racing here, and I was like, well, I've always thought like be sick to do an MXGP, and then hey, mate, just say you've done it. Yeah, you've been yeah. there, done it. Like, yeah. But I'm like, I'm competitive right now. Like I can go top twenty in AMA. Like it'd be sick. Yeah, it'd be sick to go get yeah. some points. If, if I'm 100 percent in, like fit and ready for it, I can. I just know I'm capable of doing it. Yeah. So it's the same here in Australian motocross. I was like, oh, I could podium here if I wanted to. Yeah. If I get the right track and I prepare for it, it's in my head and put that as a goal. I'll go do it. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just trying to f- trying to do what I can when I can. Yeah. When I'm able to. <laughs> yeah. No. Nah. Not injured. So yeah. Well, mate, let's go get some dinner. Yeah. That was can, unreal. Yeah. That went quick. It yeah, was a fun it one. <laughs> I was stoked. Thanks. Thanks for making the effort. No, to, that's uh, right. To come down here and uh, we've been we've been trying to do it. Yeah. So. Oh, wicked fucking cool stories we got it done yeah hope everyone enjoys yeah oh yeah you're a fucking legend <laughs> it won't be the last one that you do for sure uh, yeah officially good luck for for dakar 2023 mate thanks mate hopefully um get hopefully there's an after party <laughs> yeah where would you do it i don't know yet i reckon i'll do where's a... the race is it in saudi again yeah saudi again for the next like 10 years i think but i'd probably do a lock-in in this local pub we call the west at a, west lock-in. a lock-in like pub. It. yeah the weekend vendor like <laughs> we already run that that joint down but if we can run the west end we will um we'll be hiring it out for the weekend done i'll be there <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, thanks everyone for listening daniel sanders the great man himself